Production. Recorded live. Hi, everybody. It's March the 9th, 2017, and it's time for my private audio call. Tonight, our special guest speaker is Rich Iverson. Hi, Rich. Hi, Angela. How are you? We were just, I'm fine, thank you. We were just talking about the weather and the chemtrails and other things, conspiratorial stuff. Uh, Yeah. And uh, so I guess we should just go ahead and uh, continue where we left off or start on a new subject. It's up to you. We always well, love listening to your uh, information, and what you have to share is always good. So, thank you. Um, yeah, I would just I'll just continue with. Uh, I mean, you you brought up the word conspiratorial, and I just mentioned that the definition of conspiracy isn't a, a pejorative. It can be a pejorative, but it, it just means to breathe together. And then I guess it depends on what you breathe, <laughs> but but essentially it's just breathing together, and so it's no longer a conspiracy once it's established that it's no longer a conspiracy. So evidence is good, evidence is real good. Having evidence is really good for a lot of things. Cuts down on the bullshitters. Anyway, what do you want to talk about? Uh, whatever you feel led to talk about right now, I'm just going to put your link to your website okay, into cool. the, uh, chat here. His website is thelawsalon.net. Yes. Anybody want to go there? Go ahead. It's, it, it's lower case. Everything is lowercase and, and there's no space between anything. Um, so for the folks who, who may not know who I am, I'm, I'm just a dude. I live in California, and about 30 years ago, I I met this guy who uh, was talking about using a car without a license and no plates, and uh, I was really interested in that. And so three days after I heard about this guy, I wound up sitting in his living room and uh, along with a buddy, and we listened to a three-hour presentation about the law. And so I shifted my interest in politics to the law. And that was about 25, 30 years ago, and I haven't stopped since. And my primary focus is traffic or vehicle or DMV stuff. And anybody who has an interest in the law is probably well aware that you're not going to to study one aspect of law, there's because so many other aspects are tied in. For example, the privilege offered by the state is offered on a contract basis. So if you don't contract with the state, you don't get the privilege. So that's how people get the quote-unquote driving privilege. What what I've learned over the last 25 years is <laughs> nobody knows what the privilege is they asked for. And if they understood what it was that they asked for and contracted for, I think they'd be pretty upset because uh, they would realize that um, their mom and dad got ripped off on their education uh, that they were forced to pay for, and while... Everybody was sitting in class feeling like an idiot for not knowing, I guess, what adults knew. Um, 
wow, they, they, they didn't tell us a lot of stuff when we were going there, but they graduated us. So mom and dad thought that they got what they paid for. We got an interesting little tassel to hang off the hat that we had to give back uh, after the thing. And, uh, and then we somehow were, what? I guess we made it, now what? Now I'm, now, I'm, now I'm bitching or what? What does this all mean? Well, when you hit 18 years old, what it means is when you push, your, push a pen across a contract, whether it be an application for employment or anything else, mom and dad aren't going to save you. It's your responsibility. You're liable for, for what's on that piece of paper. But you know what they never did? They never bothered to teach anybody what the hell goes on those pieces of paper because what goes on those pieces of paper are put there by attorneys who went to college and then they went to law school and and then they passed the bar exam. And so an 18-year-old getting out of high school is is, is really not in a very, very good position because they were graduated a retard. But they don't even know it, and neither does their mom and dad. Folks, I was graduated high school a retard. <laughs> and, that, and, and, and it took me a long time to finally appreciate how retarded I was. But once I um, investigated what the DMV does, what a license is, what driving is, what a driver is, uh, wow, <laughs> that's when I realized just how big a retard I was. My parents got ripped off, and so did I, and so did you and your parents. Because everybody sitting on this call went to the public schools. They didn't teach one minute of contract law where I went to school. How about you folks? You get any any contract law? No, and I went to to Catholic school in elementary school, but even so, they didn't teach anything. Yeah, they did teach you contract law there because I'll bet they taught you about the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve. Oh, yeah. Out, yeah. Yeah, well, if that's not a breach of agreement, what is it? Hmm? See, that story right there, that, that, that's a really great example of breach of contract because breach of contract is strict liability. Ooh, what does that mean, folks? Strict liability means you've got to pay. How does that apply to our uh, daily life? Anybody had their car towed away? Have a cop um, contact the tow company and have your car towed away? Yeah, that happened to me. All right, cool. We'll check this out. Long time uh, ago. All right, we'll check this out. When that uh, when that tow truck driver touched your car, that tow truck driver had a big problem. Because he took something that didn't belong to him. And what went through his mind doesn't matter. That, what he did is a strict liability port. And what that means is, hey, pal, it doesn't matter if the cop told you to do it. You owe the man. But if I didn't, if I didn't, I got a, I got a call from dispatch, man. If I didn't go pick up the car, then yeah, I'd get fired. Oh, maybe, but but at least when it got sued, <laughs> you know, then you could have sued your boss because you don't have to comply with an illegal order. Why don't you ask your boss if the contract requires them to to tow every single car when a, when a cop calls them? 
you know, when the police department calls them, is that what their contract provides? Hey, folks, every, you know, the tow companies that have these um, tow contracts for the municipality, they have a contract. The terms and conditions are spelled out. So does, does the tow company have to take every single car a call, a cop calls and tells them to take, yes or no? No. I don't know. Well, we don't know that. We don't know that until we see the contract. But here's what I'm thinking. The answer is probably no. Why? Well, it's called first right of refusal. What if the tow truck driver gets out there and the cop's drunk, okay, and he's flailing his taser around, acting like a lunatic and everything. Hey, buddy, take your truck, get that car towed. Does, does, does the driver have to comply with a drunken order? No. I, I don't. No, well, here's, here's the thing. Remember, at the end of the Second World War, there was a bunch of Nazis who claimed, well, you know, at Nuremberg, look, man, Fuhrer, he was, he was out of his mind. He told us what, you know, we had to do it. He told us what to do, man. If we didn't, you know, we had to do it. We were just following orders. And the people in the black robes had the presence of mind to say, well, sorry, guys, but you're under absolutely no obligation to follow an illegal order. Like, thou shalt not kill. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is uh, uh, Hitler and the majority of those guys are Catholics. So for them to ignore, you know, what was, you know, chiseled in stone all those years ago, that's kind of, you know, it was weird. So the guys in the black robe said, no, we don't think so. You guys don't get to use that. Uh, we were just following orders defense. And that's the Nuremberg defense. That's what it's known as. So there's the Nuremberg defense, and then there's the Hillary defense. Well, I didn't know. <laughs> what? What's a server? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, sorry, you can't claim ignorance and you can't claim you're following an order uh, because no one has to follow an illegal order. So let's say, that, here's, here's a question. Does that tow truck driver have a duty or obligation to the, to the someone whose car they're taking not to damage them or their secured interests? Absolutely. Exactly. So we got the tow truck driver by the short hairs. They're never going to see this coming. So, you know, we can, they can be called as a witness. And when you put them on the stand, you, can, you get to ask them questions. This is one of the cool things about going to court if you want to go to court. Um, you get to ask people questions. It's great. You get to do what the politicians in D.C. do, like, for example, just before I came on a call, I was watching uh, a hearing that, that uh, occurred today at the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee. And that's the House committee that investigates fraud and corruption. Hey, folks, if you don't know what this, uh, what this committee does, you are missing out. Because what they're doing is they're taking and they're using your tax dollars. That's what they're doing. And what they do is they investigate fraud, corruption, and other stuff that goes on within their company. So you don't have to you don't have to watch CNN, and you don't have to watch Fox, and you don't have to watch MSNBC, and you don't have to watch ABS, CBS, or any of the other uh, news broadcasts. Why? Because you can go straight to your employees and watch them say what the people on the TV and who put stuff in the paper put there. 
It's that's their right. Opinion. They regurgitate everything, don't they? That's, yes. yes, that's all they're doing. They're, uh, they're doing what I am doing and what everybody does who comes on your call, Angela. They're spewing their opinions. Well, folks, my opinion's as good as yours. So you, all you folks on this call, especially you taxpayers, get over to the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee's calendar page and check out what you're paying for. Get what you're paying for. They are providing you with information about your company and the employees who wanted to work for you. The majority of people do not have a clue how um, foobarred the situation is in this country. Nobody, no, people I have no idea how, how screwed up everything is. It's just amazing. But anyway, getting back to the um, strict liability tort thing, um, when it comes to a strict liability tort, uh, it doesn't matter what you were thinking, and you can't use uh, an excuse like, well, the officer told me to do it. Too bad, pal. <laughs> you know, um, too bad what the officer said. How do you know the officer uh, gave you a, uh, a legitimate order? Well, the reason I'm going on about this, or one of the reasons, is because um, some people may have uh, heard a story I've told over, over the years. Um, and before I get into this, I just want people to know who may not know who I am. I'm not an attorney. I don't want to be an attorney. I don't care about being an attorney. I don't give legal advice. Um, I don't practice law. I apply the law that I know. But I don't practice law. That's what um, attorneys do. <laughs> because apparently uh, they never learn how to actually do what they're practicing. Well, um, I also play guitar. And believe it or not, um, when I first started playing Louie Louie, it didn't come out very good. But I practiced and I practiced. And after about, oh, four minutes, <laughs> I wasn't practicing anymore. I was playing the song because it was pretty simple. It's only three notes or three chords. But the people who practice law, I can understand why they practice, because there's a lot of stuff to know. There's a lot of rules. And, 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 and the jargon and the language, oh, my God. And is it any wonder why attorneys are held to the, you know, to, to the whatever status they're held to? I mean, they, they all have suits and stuff, and they all seem to be pretty smart and everything. Hey, folks, I'm going to take some of the mystery out of this law crap, okay? All these people do is read stuff you don't read, period. That's it. They sound smart because they read stuff that you don't read. It's just that simple, just that simple. And the reason people keep losing in court is because they don't want to read the rules. Fine. Then you don't get to whine when John Law pulls you over, and you don't know what to do. It doesn't work. That. So the bottom line is, I don't want to be an attorney. I just want to know what they know. Why? Because I have greater latitude than, than an attorney. I'm not a member of their club. I don't want to be a member of their club because they won't piss off the people in the black robe, at least not like I will. Because they're going to get a, a whack, they're going to get whacked differently than me. Because they're all part of the same club. So anybody who hires an attorney is probably going to be number four on their priority list. 
because their first concern is their wallet. And their second, their second concern is their oath. And their third concern is, is their membership to the bar. Okay? That's what they're doing. And that's what they're maintaining. So when it comes to you and your problems, you're like number four on their list. So are you going to get the attention that you believe you deserve? Well, if, you're, if you believe in the American dream, probably. However, if you've woken up to what the American dream is, it is then you'll probably consider wanting to do it yourself. Why? Because if you're going to get screwed, you might as well do it yourself, right? Instead of paying that, that, that uh, someone in a suit there, it, 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 it's not cost effective. So my suggestion is to, while the heat's off, start looking into the rules. Find out what's going on. So that just in case somebody, one of your employees decides to interrupt your travels, like to your place of worship or the grocery store, yeah, you don't get as ripped off as you could. Because everybody coming out of high school is just, just fodder for the highway robbers. Now, um, an interesting story I saw today uh, comes out of, speaking of, uh, or implying (laughs) that um, government employees aren't all that ethical or honest, there is a really interesting uh, story out of uh, North Carolina. And... um, it's just one of those that a guy can sink his teeth into. And so I'm going to tell everybody about it because this is, this is some of the stuff that I do uh, during my day. So cops demand Uber driver turn off his camera, citing new law, threaten him with jail, say they will search his car with sniffer dogs. Driver refuses because it turns out the driver is also an attorney. And he knows no such law exists. A Wilmington police sergeant is shown on video instructing a citizen who was pulled over for a traffic stop that he is not allowed to record the interaction due to a new state law prohibiting the recording of police interactions. Hey, folks, let me put this to rest. You have the right to film and record your employees. You're the boss. If they got a problem with that, too bad. Hold up the middle, the middle finger, all right? Hold up the middle finger. If they don't like it, too bad. They can go sell shoes along with Al Bundy over in the private sector, okay? Smell stinky feet. But they don't get to work for us, okay? Because we are the people. And the people have a right to keep an eye on their business and their employees, and that's exactly what the people in those blue uniforms or green uniforms, black uniforms, whatever uniforms they're wearing, polyester for sure, that's what they are. They're an employee. So they don't get to wander around bossing the boss around. Well, turns out Jesse Bright happens to know some of the rules that this cop misled him about. So uh, shortly after the stop, the new Hanover County Sheriff's uh, deputy agrees with the officer that there is a new state law. However, there is no such law in North Carolina. Oopsie. 
The video comes from defense attorney Jesse Bright, who also drives for Uber in his spare time. Bright said he was making a round trip for a customer on Feb 26 and was stopped shortly after the passenger got back into the vehicle. Now, folks, I want to interrupt right here. Uh, those, those of you folks who may be new to law, it's really, really important to understand that, that words have, may have a different meaning in a legal context than they do in a non-legal context. Now, the word that was used um, in this news item is the word passenger, and that is in fact correct. This, the, the someone who got in the car is a passenger because they paid. A passenger is a customer, and a driver is an employee. That, it's, it's important to, to understand the context within which these words are being used. So a driver is someone who's on the job, like a floral delivery driver or a pizza delivery driver. A driver is a driver is a driver. A driver gets paid. They're an employee. When you go to your place of worship or the grocery store to buy some tennis shoes or to watch a movie or to have a picnic, you're not employed. You're not on the job. You're just doing, exercising your secured right to enjoy yourself and use your property on your property because that asphalt out there belongs to you. You paid for it. It's your car. So you get to use your car on that asphalt that belongs to you. Why don't you get to use it without your, your government employee's permission? Because you were graduated a retard. Your mom and dad got ripped off. Duh. You didn't know anything about contract law. So what did you do when you were 16? Yeah, <laughs> come on. Take me over to the DMV. I can get my learner's permit. What did they do? They took you over there and got you your learner's permit. And what did you do when you were 18? You made a beeline with mom or dad over to the DMV to get that license because you wanted to take your girlfriend uh, to, to, the, uh, to anywhere. And, or you wanted to go with your girlfriend anywhere. You just wanted to get in a car and go like you've been watching adults do for 15 years or 16 years now. And you wanted to do the same exact thing. And nobody said, hey, uh, Johnny or Jeannie, are you aware that the uh, license permits you to work for Domino's Pizza or uh, FPD Floors or UPS or Yellow Cab? Huh? Well, yeah, you don't, you don't really need to have that license if you want to go to the movies. But, Dad, uh, what, what about what, what if we can pull over, you know, and we want to get stuck? Well, that's something else, but just so you know. Well, how come they didn't teach us that in school? Well, I don't know, but we're working on that. You know, there are some of us who found out they're leaving a lot of stuff out of the curriculum, and we need to get things shored up a little bit because we're tired of dealing with dumb children. We figure by the time you get to be about seven, eight, ten years old, you know some six or seven or eight-letter words that actually mean something. Here's a question for all you folks interested in education. At what level should children be introduced to legal words? From the very beginning, probably. Yeah, yeah Angela, you see? You see? <laughs> That's why people are on your call. That's why they're listening to you. Okay? It's that kind of stuff right there. It's because... Boy, just imagine if we were learning that stuff when we were growing up, how fluent we would be in it. Wow. Oh, my goodness. 
Uh, well, let me put it this way. Um, your kids wouldn't have to get a license to have a lemonade stand, okay? Yeah, that, 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 that nonsense would be done because here's why I think they're afraid to teach little kids about law. People who have – now, I don't have kids. I have electronic components. They're bad enough. But people who have kids, they know what kids are like. I was a kid once, and, and, and I got spanked quite a bit, and I know why I got spanked. And, um, you know, <laughs> parents have a, have, have a rough time of it. You know, they're dealing with this little chaotic mess that's trying to figure out how to use its body parts and stuff and, and uh, communicate and, uh, you know, get their diapers changed timely, stuff like that. So, um, but, but for some reason, mom and dad and nobody else talks to them about, um, well, they'll introduce them to four or five letter words like see, dick, run, see, Jane, walk, see, spot, uh, bark. You know, Dick ran up the hill. They got a pail of water, stuff like that. Water. Well, water has well, you know, five letters. Are there, are there any law words that have five letters? Why can't we stick some of those in there? Especially the stuff about contracts, because kids, when they go to school, they're going to be taught that the, there was a civil war. What's that? Well, it was, this, it was this thing where everybody in the country, well, almost everybody was killing each other. Why? Well, they think it was slavery. Really? Yeah, slavery's pretty messed up, man, and we don't like slavery. I know, it seems pretty bad. So let's just prohibit, let's do away, let's outlaw slavery. No more slavery. Well, uh, as the story goes, uh, Uncle Abe got rid of slavery. All right, okay, great. No more slavery, folks. So now what, what, what is there? There's no more slavery. What is there? Contracts, agreements, covenants, all you Bible folks. Covenant, same thing as a contract. Same, exact thing. And Adam and Eve, oops, they breached the contract. <laughs> there was a clause, there was a condition in the contract whereby you don't eat that stuff. Well, they ate that stuff. So they failed to comply with the term and condition. Ouchie poo. They got kicked out. They had to go out there and fend for them. I w- I'm wondering if God um, gave them, uh, uh, you know, like uh, matches. You know, maybe a little booklet of, uh, you know, poisonous and non-poisonous edible plants so they knew what, what was going on. And, and, and maybe a little, um, you know, a little booklet with uh, images of different kinds of animals, you know, and, and, uh, and with some, like, some easy instructions for, hey, under the fur is nutrients. It's a little messy, but once you get it out and you get get the hang of it, 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 it can be pretty good. Now, you need to work on the barbecue sauce. I'm not going to supply you with the ingredients or the recipe for that. You can figure that out on your own. But I'll help do uh, – but the heavy lifting is under the furry things, there may be something edible. <laughs> okay, so it seems to me they got a pretty raw deal. It's one of those unconscionable bargain things some people have heard about. That's the way I kind of look at it if we apply contract law to the Garden of Eden story. It's basically a breach of contract issue. But it's arguable from the secular point of view that um, God drafted the agreement unilaterally, offered it to to the party on a uh, the other the other party on a take it or leave it basis and they had no opportunity to amend it. So that's what's called an adhesion contract. 
And I suppose if we use a biblical term, we could call it a uh, adhesion covenant. Same deal. Um, don't do this or else. Do that <clears throat> or else. So this is kind of interesting because it actually ties in pretty well with traffic stops. <laughs> How do we get from going to the grocery store and picnics to the Garden of Eden and no matches uh, and, and strict liability torts applicable to tow truck drivers uh, who are used in a Nuremberg defense when the drunken commit. So it's, it's, here's, here's the thing. Who doesn't want to know how to beat a traffic ticket, right? Isn't that why everybody is sitting on this call, Angela? <laughs> Come on. Who doesn't want to? You're not, you know why I'm here. Because everybody wants to know how to beat a traffic ticket. Okay? <laughs> well, it's pretty simple. Don't get one. Ta-da. Okay. So I don't think the dough is going to come flowing in uh, on that, that solution. So let me, uh, let, me, uh, um, let me amend it a little bit. Uh, the deal with traffic stops is to know what they actually are. That would help. And you'll find out what they actually are in your own state's vehicle code. The legislature makes the rules. They wrote the book. They agreed on all the stuff that went in the book. So take a look in those books, the codes, to find out what your employees wrote. In California, everybody's going to find out that, the, that what they think is a traffic stop is really an arrest. So right now, thousands upon thousands of people in California, maybe someone you know, folks, is being arrested without a warrant. Every single somebody is being arrested without a warrant. Now, what a lot of people apparently are unfamiliar with or unaware of is that policemen don't get to arrest people unless a crime is committed. That's the way it works. No crime, no arrest. Now, for those of you folks who have heard me over the years or on Angela's show, uh, you've heard me reference a California appellate decision. It comes from the Court of Appeals in 1987. In fact, it's a verifiable fact, so don't believe me. Go out and find out for yourself because don't believe anyone. Find out for yourself. Put the information in front of your eyes. Right now you're relying on hearsay. That is less valuable in a courtroom than looking at it for yourself. So what you want to take a look at is people versus Sava, S-A-V as in Victor A, people versus Sava. It's a 1987 California Court of Appeals decision. The citation is 190 Cal App 3rd, 935. 190 Cal App 3rd, 935 or 936, take your pick, you'll get there. Here's the deal, folks. This is the only court case in California history. California became California in 1849. This is the only court case in California history that contains these four words. Infractions are not crimes. I know that. 
I have personal knowledge. Anybody sitting on this call who's read the Sovereign Decision likewise has personal knowledge. All you folks who haven't read it, sorry. <laughs> don't go to the head of the class. Don't pass go and do not collect 200 bucks. That's the only case that, that has those four words in it. Infractions are not crimes. Well, given that fact, what the hell are police doing making warrantless arrests for non-criminal behavior right now? And why don't you folks mind? How come this is front page news above the fold? Front page news above the fold. Police officers arrest citizens without a warrant for non-criminal behavior. Court system in shambles. Hey, folks, the cat's out of the bag. It ain't ever going back in. The party's over for them. They can't stop this. All they can do is rely on you to do nothing. Keep doing nothing. Keep not reading the, 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 uh, the case law. I don't make this stuff up. I read court cases. If those guys are lying, <laughs> I know who to target. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it. You heard the Miranda notice. Anything you say can and will be used against you. Read court cases, and you can use those court cases against traffic court pro tems, traffic court commissioners, traffic court judges. How do you keep those employees in line? You show them stuff from their superiors. Ever, anybody on this call uh, been in the military? If so, you know the ranking system. No sergeant is going to refuse to follow a bird colonel's order. Not going to happen. So the Court of Appeals is a bird colonel. And what they said was, hey, yo, we need these cigarettes picked up yesterday. Let's go. And that's the way it's been since 1987. What are we talking about? I'm terrible at math. 29 years? All you folks that haven't heard about this, hey, what does that tell you? You're either in the wrong place, you're hanging out with the wrong people, you're watching the wrong stuff on the TV, you're listening to the wrong stuff on your radio or whatever. But if you don't know about people versus sovereign, you have a car and you know someone who's got a car and someone who's been pulled over and had their car towed or, or had to go to court and deal with all that crap, hey, people versus sovereign. Infractions are not crimes. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to the, to the driver? <clears throat> what it means is when a cop turns on the red lights, they better have witnessed a crime. Because if they haven't witnessed a crime, the activation of those red lights, uh-uh. That's called a misappropriation of public money. They don't get to turn those red lights on for unofficial reasons, folks. So that cop better be damn certain they observed what they allege. Hey, Angela, you want to know a secret? Sure. Cool. Um, everybody on this call has a driver's license, right? But I you know what? So. And, and even if they don't, they know someone who does. But you want to know what they don't know? What? They, 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 they don't know the definition 
of the privilege that that license permits. They've never seen it. Is it written somewhere? Yeah, but not where you think it would be. <laughs> so, okay, here's the secret, folks. Go to your vehicle code. In, in every code, in every state, the, the legislature, the assembly, provides definitions of words. So in the Revenue and Taxation Code, the Penal Code, Public, uh, uh, public Resources Code, Health and Safety Code, the Government Code, there's def uh, Vehicle Code, there's Civil Code, Code of Civil Procedure, there's definitions of words. Now, the Vehicle Code, as everybody knows, regulates driving far out. Why do you suppose the legislature didn't bother to include the definition of the verb the license permits? <laughs> drive and driving are not defined in the very book that people get thrown at them on a regular basis. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that is amazing. But don't believe me. Please, don't believe me. Please, someone prove me wrong. Please, someone prove me wrong. Please. I'm throwing it out there. All, all the, uh, the, the law folks who think you're all bad, hey, you show me what page it's on. I will, I will, I will apologize to everybody uh, on Angela's show. I've they probably the don't include it. They probably don't put it out in there because they don't want you to know it's only for people that are engaged in commerce. It's not in any of the codes. I've gone through every code. So I, would, so I would encourage everybody to go through their codes and look for the definition of drive and driving. Now, interestingly enough, yes, the words have been defined. They're defined in court cases. But Houston, we have a problem. The legislature is the law-making body. The legislature provides the definitions of the words. That's how it works, okay? Now, for some reason, they have vehicle and motor vehicle. Look up those words, as a matter of fact. Those are good words to be aware of because people have been convinced that that's what their, their metallic thing is sitting out in the driveway if they're fortunate enough to have a driveway or in a garage if they're fortunate enough to have a garage. But that thing with the, you know, the tires and wheels and the combustion engine under the hood, yeah, <clears throat> well, in California, a vehicle and a motor vehicle are identified by the term device. That's what a motor vehicle is. It's a device. That's what a vehicle is. It's a device. It's a device. You know what else is a device? A washing machine. That's a device. As a matter of fact, a washing machine is more akin to a motor vehicle than that thing out in the driveway with the tires and combustion engine under the hood. You see, what a lot of people do is, is use the wrong definition for the words that they use. Um, a, a motor makes electricity. A combustion engine makes exhaust and heat, okay? So a washing machine has a motor in it. It doesn't have an engine in it. 
the thing that propels the, the car, the thing, the, the thing, the device we call a car, is a combustion engine. Hey, folks, what part of the car is the motor vehicle? Come on. Who said you have to use the words these pinheads use? Here, here's the thing. There's, there's a law dictionary and there's a regular dictionary. If you don't know what a law dictionary is, you've got a big problem because that's typically what's used to make laws. Attorneys use them. They know about them. That's the way it is. If you're going to do law, if, you're gonna, if, if people are going to uh, fight a ticket, you know, which is retarded to even say it that way, not fighting anything. There's no reason to fight a ticket because um, those are not the correct words. The objective is to use the correct words and the correct definitions of the words, and they have a very, very hard time when you do that. I can't, I've been in, a, in courtrooms over 100 times in my career. I see, I, I see and I hear what the people wearing the black robes do. These guys are pathetic excuses for government employees. But what I've learned over the last 25 years is by taking a look at the rules, um, we can better protect ourselves. Now, when, when someone goes to court, they want to they they um, have their day in court, they want to make their case, they're going to be confronted with the same allegation every single time. Everybody who's being stopped right now is, regardless of what the cop is putting on the notice to appear, and that's what you ought to call it. Use the exact words on the paper. They don't like that. They don't like that at all. They want you to call this stuff something other than what it actually is, and then that way you'll never figure out what rules apply. So you can't let them get away with this stuff in any event. The piece of paper the cop issues is a notice to appear. It's not a complaint. It's a notice to appear. And what the, what the cop does is he puts down sections of the vehicle code, but he doesn't make a statement that he witnessed anything other than like 5200, no plates, or 4000A uh, EXP tab, okay? This is not a criminal complaint. And what, and that's kind of a different issue, but what I wanted to focus on is what is on the paper itself. It doesn't matter what goes on that piece of paper. The allegation is always the same. Failure to comply. That's it. Every single traffic stop, the allegation is always the same. You fail to comply. That's it. And then the officer will cite what rule he alleged you failed to comply with. By approaching it from a, uh, I was accused of failure to comply, I think uh, this is going to be a hell of a lot easier for folks who are studying this topic and have an interest in defending themselves. Because there's a lot of bullshit out there. There's a lot of people who are gaming the system. Um, I'm surviving. I never got into this stuff to make a job out of it. I never wanted to be an attorney. I didn't care about uh, helping people with court cases. I just didn't want a driver's license anymore, and I didn't want to register my car anymore. I couldn't stand going to the DMV and standing there in, in, in all that crap 
and all those those people who are who are essentially just cows waiting to get slaughtered. And then I got to deal with all those twerps at the counter who uh, redefine the definition of bad attitude. They get paid by everybody standing in line, but they treat everybody in line like they're, you know, like Judge Judy treats litigants. So when I found out what driving was, um, I began taking the the steps necessary to um, rescind the contract or agreement, the covenant, with the DMV. And that's what I did. Uh, I informed the DMV that I discovered an element of fraud in our agreement. And I returned everything they sent to me, license, plates, whatever they sent to me, I sent it back to them. And uh, I also included a revocation of my power of attorney inadvertently granted. This is stuff I didn't know, I wasn't taught when I was going to school. But now that I'm aware of it, (laughs) I'm not stopping. This is this is this is every this is daily life stuff that I do, the stuff that that my uh, teacher, my mentor, taught was if you can handle a traffic case, if you can understand how how, how a traffic case works, you can handle about ninety eight percent of anything that comes down the no pun intended road, because all the legal principles are exactly the same, and it's true. And it and it never changes. It's always the same. It, you use the law properly, and positive things happen. The law, the, the the legal principles I use in court are the same legal principles I use in a grocery store. It's simple. It works everywhere. Sometimes it works better than 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 others. It just depends on who you're interacting with. And I'm here to tell you, there's a lot of dopes out there. There's a lot of very frightened people running around acting like they know what they're doing, and they don't. Nobody reads the rules. And if they did read the rules, things would be a lot different in not only the state but throughout the, the country because everybody would know that you, you don't need to have a license to use your car to take your kids to school or pick them up, um, go to the grocery store, go to your place of worship, go to the dentist, uh, go to the movies, uh, go to the park, fly a kite. You don't need a license for that. A license is issued to people who want to engage in business. The state, every single state, has the power to regulate uh, commercial activity. It's part of their police power that every state has. Interstate commerce, that's what's going on. That's what people are involved in who have a license. They're involved in commercial behavior. So when a police officer lights somebody up to pull them over, the allegation is you broke a rule that applies to someone involved in commerce. That's either true or false. Because what you're going to hear the cops say in a courtroom is, well, I observed the defendant driving on blah, 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 you know, driving. Well, that's going to be a conclusion. And, and you're going to hear, hear a lot of conclusions made in a courtroom, especially by your accuser. And you have the right to object to the conclusion. In fact, uh, objections are good, but most people don't know how to make them. But you've got to make objections if you hope to uh, enjoy justice. Or you hope to do well on appeal if things go sideways. 
So when you hear someone in a courtroom make a conclusion like driving or driver, objection, Your Honor, hearsay and foundation. There's no evidence before the court or assumes facts, not in evidence. You know, they can support a conclusion. So hearsay foundation assumes facts, not in evidence. Now, here's the cool part, knowing that and uh, when people look through their uh, codes, again, don't believe me, look through your own codes. And, and see where, where your legislature, your assembly, define the word drive and driving. And if you can't find the definition provided by your, your, your legislators or your assembly, then you've got a big, big problem. Because your employees are ripping off your, your, your family and, and your, your neighbors and everybody else in the community because they don't know what the hell they're doing. They're guessing at their job. I know that infractions aren't crimes. Everybody on this phone call should know that infractions aren't crimes. So if we know that infractions aren't crimes, why are we tolerating our employees making warrantless or false arrests, committing false imprisonment, arresting our neighbors, and then getting paid for it, and we're not doing anything about it? That's called ill-gotten gains. You know, the chief of police makes money off of what his agents do. That's right. Those, those folks out in the field, the rule of agency. So that cop gets paid for what he does. So does the chief of police. Hmm. And so does the, the, the sheriff. And so does the, the, the head of the highway patrol. Yeah, they all get a piece of the action. Folks, rule of agency, look into it. Notice to principal is notice to agent. Notice to agent, notice to principal. The agent represents the principal. The agent represents the CEO. Every cashier represents the CEO of, of the retail outlet. We're being accused of failure to comply. And what happens is nobody bothers to, to, to ask the cop any questions about what they did and the authority to do it. Everybody wants to read a traffic ticket, but ain't nobody wants to read the, the damn rules. And the, and, and the majority of people who do read the rules are just gaming the system. They don't want it to change. They're making money off it. I, I, I never got into this to make money off it. I, 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 the reason I got into this because I was pissed off. I knew that I had been lied to, and, and I'd been riding around doing all this stuff I never had to do. And I'm surrounded by retards who keep blowing bad information into my ears about all this stuff. Everybody's afraid, but nobody wants to do anything about their fear. Well, I looked into it, and I'm not afraid anymore. My mouth gets dry. Sure. I shake. Sure. Why? Because mm, I don't know who that is. I don't know what they're going to do. I'm, I, I think I'm normal. But I know a lot of stuff. And it's not going to be as easy, you know, with me as it is for you guys or, or what, what could happen for you guys. I mean, you guys are going to be in for some rough, rough going over here because I guess I owe every – well, no, as a matter of fact, I don't. But I would like everybody uh, on this call to be aware that um, um, due to the, the work of one of my other uh, mentors um, – the, the, the information that we have uh, used in our own cases 
and all those people that we've assisted over the last 20 years has raised the bar for you guys. So you're going to have to do things a certain way if you hope to get relief because the courts know what I'm referring to. They know what, what, we're ta- what I'm talking about. You guys are at the disadvantage because they know you're going to show up sooner or later, and when they hear certain things not presented properly, <laughs> you're, going to, you're going to be toyed with. I was just working with a guy um, in uh, San Diego, and he was, a couple of years ago, he stopped at one of these border uh, checkpoints down there, and um, he was subjected to the routine questioning and I guess he decided to um, not cooperate and he didn't answer the um, officer's questions to his liking. So the guy yanked out of his car after they broke his window and they found some pot in his car. So he was, um, he was arrested, yeah, but not federally. Actually, the feds arrested him, and they contacted uh, the local constabulary, and they dispatched an officer who came out. By the time the officer got there, uh, the guy was sitting in a chair outside the Border Patrol office, handcuffed. And so the officer uh, took the guy into custody and took him back to the the cop shop, and and the cop issued a notice to appear citing three sections of the vehicle code on the notice to appear. Now, for all you folks that have studied law for a little while, you might know where what, what I'm, hopefully a light bulb just went off in your head. Uh, we're talking about opportunity knocks here. Uh, the, the officer cited three sections of, of the vehicle code on the notice to appear, but the officer never observed what he put on the notice to appear. Folks, we don't have an eyeball witness to what he signed under penalty of perjury. Ka-ching! Yeah! If you know the rules, you can kind of take advantage of this stuff. Now, unfortunately, the guy I was working with was the rookie, and um, unfortunately for me, I, he, he had uh, found me about a year and a half after he had already commenced the case, and he did some things that um, that were not productive or beneficial for him. And so the way I chose to work with him was just, you know, okay, what I'll do is I'll just help you move some stuff around on the stage, but this is your production and you do what you want. Well, uh, the day before, uh, well, actually the, yeah, the day before the trial, actually the last couple of days, I was pointing out to him repeatedly, um, dude, the cop's the state's witness. That's it. Nothing more. He's just the state's witness. Okay. And he's got a big problem because he didn't, what he committed to print and signed his name to. See, so he's liable for what what he put on that notice to appear. And he he signed that notice to appear under penalty of perjury. That's a false police report. 
But unfortunately, this guy was convicted. Uh, this was about uh, two weeks ago, this past Monday. Now, interestingly enough, the, the, the Tuesday previous, he was supposed to be at trial. Well, one of the one of the the, the game part of the game plan was to um, get an extension because I, I was convinced he wasn't prepared. So the the, the reason for the extension was uh, discovery hadn't been completed. Now, typically, this should get you a month, you know, thirty days. When you say the phrase "it pays your honor," discovery hasn't been completed. Um, and you present the you know the issue well enough, reasonably well enough. You're looking at another like, like 30 days before you're going to be back in court. Well, for some reason, the judge did grant the extension, but he compressed the time frame to from Tuesday to the following Monday. Now, when I heard this, I'm going, what? Okay, great. So, at the end of the conversation with the guy after he gave me an update, I said, hey, in the future. Um, see about getting on the afternoon calendar so I don't have to get up so early because when I'm working with someone on a case, um, it, it, I don't have kids, so it's it's kind of like I, I pace around like an expectant father, you know, because I figure a, a rookie or or someone who's uh, doesn't have too much experience, I'm I'm always on standby that the morning they go to go to court if they have a question or something like that, or they just want to talk. So I'm typically up early and then awaiting uh, the phone call about what happened. Well, the guy got out of the court the day he was supposed to go to trial. And I and I said, you know, see about getting yourself on the afternoon calendar so we can sneak in. And he goes, well, I tried to get on the afternoon calendar, but the judge told me they don't, they don't do uh, afternoon trials uh, in, in San Diego anymore. I went, what? He goes, yeah, the guy told me they don't, they, don't, they don't have an afternoon trial calendar anymore. I go, what? Why? Folks, come on. Come on. I, I mean, there's some things, you know, it, it's like hearing there actually is a tooth fairy, okay? Oh, no, the tooth fairy actually shows up at, at 3 o'clock. should be here tomorrow. What? Come on, man. There's no afternoon trials. Are you kidding me? Are you, Folks. If you hear there's no afternoon trial, something is decidedly wrong wherever you live. It cannot, it, it, forget about it. Forget about it. Forget about it. Hello. It, never. Okay. So check this out. The guy goes to court on the following Monday. I'm anticipating a call from him about, oh, 1030, 11 o'clock maybe. So I get a call from the dude about a uh, quarter after 11, and he lets me know that <laughs> the trial's been, uh, rescheduled to the afternoon calendar. Now, as soon as I heard this, I, I, I mean, I heard it, it was a ka moment because it, it, this, this guy was misled by a judge or not. You see, they either have an afternoon trial calendar or they don't. But there's two judges, two, two different judges. One judge said there wasn't, and another judge scheduled the, the trial for the afternoon calendar. Uh-oh, Houston, we got a problem. But I couldn't share this. 
I couldn't share this with the, with the rookie because he was so overloaded with the stuff that he already had. You know, so this is one of those missed opportunities that I just had to keep my mouth shut because, you know, I knew that I wouldn't be able to, you know, properly articulate it. Anyway, then I came to find out that he was going to be um, he was going to be prosecuted by um, an assistant district attorney who was a rookie. Folks, they used him as a guinea pig. <laughs> they used him, his case, so that this this new assistant district attorney could get her feet wet. Isn't that cool? Yeah, they're using your tax dollars. Yeah, aren't they nice? So, um, yeah. So anyhow, uh, he went in there, and uh, he got his ass kicked, um, unfortunately. But um, the uh, trial transcript yielded some interesting stuff. And I heard a new, a new judicial move I'd never heard before. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, he, was, he was pressing the issue hard about discovery. Now, keep in mind that at a border checkpoint, there's cameras. Okay, that's one thing. And there's also dash cam cameras. And there's also audio files of people going to be talking on their radios and stuff to dispatch, okay? Oh, and in this guy's case, they found marijuana in his car, so they, they took that. So that's evidence. So here's what he heard when he initially informed the court that discovery hadn't been completed. The district attorney's office attempted to justify not providing him with any videotape or the marijuana that they took or any dash cam video or anything else, but, well, as far as the, the um, video at the checkpoint, was because the case was, had, had been going on too long. And so there was no more video, and apparently the pot had something, it disappeared. So there was no there was no video and there was no pot. And and the DA's justification was, oh well, you know, it was like too old. Well what I heard on the audio was a, an excuse for negligence. You see, the DA has a duty, a mandatory, constitutionally imposed duty. Folks, you don't have to ask for discovery. They have to give it to you, period. That's it. There's a constitutional mandatory duty imposed on the district attorney to provide you with beneficial evidence. The, the term is exculpatory, exculpatory evidence. People versus Sava is exculpatory evidence. It's a court case from the California Court of Appeals in 1987 that benefits a defendant accused of an infraction. It's exculpatory evidence that establishes infractions are not, are not crimes. Now, here's something a lot of people who want to get into law stuff, they don't know. What's the, what's the burden of proof when it comes to crime? What is it? It's proof beyond a reasonable doubt of crime. That's it, proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Okay, well, proof beyond a reasonable doubt of crime. Hmm, well, I've read 
I've read the Sava decision, and the court held that infractions are not crimes. Oh, and they went, and the court went on to also add, the legislature never intended infractions to be crimes. <laughs> well, shucks and doggone. How are they going to make their case? Hmm? How are they going to make their case? Preponderant, reasonable doubt. I don't know. For some reason, I tend to think uh, an, an unoverturned California Court of Appeals decision constitutes hmm, reasonable doubt. I committed a crime. Now, if that's not good enough for people, I have something here. I'm, I'm actually holding it in my hand. And it's a, um, it's a volume. Actually, it's number one, parts one to ten, California jury instructions. Civil. Eighth edition. And this is published by the Committee on Standard Jury Instructions, Civil of the Superior Court of Los Angeles County, California. Now, check this out. This is a jury instruction, folks. It's jury instruction 5.30. Okay? Now, let's say you're um, a jury member and you're sitting on a case that involves speeding. Here's what the judge is going to read to you and all the other jury members. This is a rule that they're going to read to you, okay? And I quote, the speed at which a vehicle is driven upon a highway, now this part's in brackets, not in excess of, and then there's a blank and you add the miles per hour, and then close bracket, considered as an isolated fact, and simply in terms of so many miles an hour, is not proof either of negligence or of the exercise of ordinary care. Whether driving at that rate of speed is negligent is a question of fact, the answer to which depends on all the surrounding circumstances. The basic speed law of this state, again, and this is in brackets, as provided by Section 22350 of our vehicle code, close bracket, is as follows. Again, quote, no person shall drive a vehicle upon a highway at a speed greater than is reasonable or prudent, having due regard for weather, visibility, the traffic on, and the surface and width of the highway, and in no event, at a speed which endangers the safety of persons or property, end quote. Everybody sit there's down. there's no number. Yeah, there's no and number, right? No number for what? The mile per hour you have the, the speed limit. Well, if, it, if it's posted. I, I'll, get in, I'll get into that in a, in a moment. I just want to conclude okay. this with, with, with the, with the uh, with some. Anyway, here, here comes the, here, here's part of the instruction. A violation of this basic rule is negligence. This is, the, this is what a judge will tell you as a jury member in a, speeding, a civil speeding case. Speeding is negligence. What the hell are people doing in a criminal court when, when, when a cop issued a citation or a notice to appear for 22350? What are they doing in traffic court? It's not a crime. It's negligence. It's not criminal negligence. It can't be criminal negligence. Why? Because Sava tells us that infractions are not crimes, so it can't be criminal negligence. Guess what it is? Civil, folks. You've been conned. 
You're being played like a grand piano by a bunch of amateur monkeys who don't even know what a, what a piano is. These people are ripping us off right and left. Speeding is negligence. Nobody even knows what these rules are, whether it's, you've been acu- people have been accused of a crime or not. This is insane. This is, I, I can take this book into a courtroom. Hi, uh, uh, hi, Your Honor. Hi, how you doing? Yeah, I have an exhibit. What's that? Well, it's California Jury Instruction, Civil 8th Edition. <laughs> reasonable doubt, folks. I just, gave, I, I just gave reasonable doubt. Speeding's not a crime. I got the proof right here. I got People versus Sava. I have the 2001 annual report of the Judicial Council of California. The Judicial Council of California uh, is the group of folks uh, who um, authorize every form used in California. All the legal forms in California have to be approved by the California Judicial Council. And in, in uh, their 2001 annual report on page 6, uh, under milestones, you'll see something really interesting for the year 1967. And that is, and, and by the way, it's the only milestone, it's the only big deal attributed to the Judicial Council for 67. The Judicial Council endorsed the non-criminal traffic infraction. If it's non-criminal, why, why don't the cops know? The Judicial Council does. They actually, they actually sponsored the bill. <laughs> they sponsored it, and they endorsed what they sponsored, and it became law in 1968. Who's the sucker? Right. These clowns are getting paid for this stuff. Folks, this is front-page news stuff. There's a lot of people who are aware of this. I cannot not know. I can't be the only one in California who knows this stuff. Come on. <laughs> I've been talking about this stuff for years. Head, head over to the lawsalon.net. There's a tremendous amount of information over there on all kinds of different stuff. I publish, I publish what I find. It's probably the only website on the, on the Internet that gives away all this information that you'll never get from, from other people who are do, doing similar stuff. They, they, they won't give it away. I can't believe that no one's gone into court and uh, used Sava correctly. I'd hear about it after, after 25 years. I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I, 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 just don't get, I just don't understand. Plenty of people have heard me refer to Sava. They've heard me provide uh, questions that they can use, like at curbside if a cop pulls them over, even in a courtroom, how to examine a cop. Are people be, be making any progress with this stuff? I don't know. Let's shift topics, shall we? Does anybody want to save money? <laughs> who doesn't want to save money? Well, the people who don't mind paying traffic or parking tickets. Well, let's talk about unethical business practices, shall we? Because that's really what we're talking about when it comes to civil asset forfeiture and um, traffic tickets, so to speak, traffic stops. And um, what happens in grocery stores? Anybody go to the grocery store today, yesterday, day before? You're going to go tomorrow? You're going to buy a bag? All you folks in California, you're going to buy a bag? You're hearing all that crap at the end of the, the counter. Nowadays, you never heard before November 8th, but now you're hearing it all the time. People making justifications 
for for not having their bag. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot my bag. Oh man, I walked in. I'm just they're apologizing for being ripped off. They don't even know they're being ripped off. <laughs> it's hysterical, folks. It's hysterical. It would be hysterical if it wasn't unfortunately true. But it's true, and it's sad. There's a lot of people who are nice people, and they believe that there is a law. They don't know what the law is, and so they're apologizing for their negligence. I forgot to bring my bag, damn it. Oh, damn, I better give me two. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Well, <clears throat> on November 8th, something interesting happened, and nobody's talking about it correctly. In California, um, a, a program kicked off. And the the stores are now selling bags that they used to give away to their customers. So this is a, a huge boon for the retailers in the state because um, uh, the state permitted the retailers to make additional money. And if you if you folks are a little pissed off at what the stores are doing, you can blame the state, <laughs> right? That's how it works. Oh, we didn't do it, man. It's the law. You know, it's the law. How many people have, how many times have you been in a grocery store and you heard them say, oh, it's the law. Yeah, it's the law. Really? Well, you know what? I've actually read the law. And guess what? No, it's not the law. I haven't spoken with anybody yet who actually knows the law. No cashier that I've interacted with knows the law. No store manager I've interacted with knows the law. No store manager I've called knows the law. Nobody knows the law, but they sure as hell act like they do. Just ask them if they've actually read the law and watched their facial expression and listen to what they say to you and listen to their tone. I bet they're going to treat you like an asshole. One way, one way or another, you're going to be treated like, how dare you? It's the law. I'm wearing a bow tie. Come on. Folks, nobody's read the law. It's, it's an opt-in program. <laughs> Isn't that funny? The stores opted in. The single-use carry-out bag scam. It's a scam. They never had to do it. But it's now the law throughout California, as voted on by the voters on November 8th. So what occurred was um, a store shall not provide a single-use carry-out bag to a customer at the point of sale. That's the law. All right? That's the law. They, can't, they shall not provide a single-use carry-out bag to a customer at the point of sale. That means a cash register. That's well, what, the if the, point of, what if the store dealer wants to? What's that? What if the dealer wants to? You mean give a bag away? Yeah. I was just going to get to that. Oh, so here, 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 here. Now, there actually, there's two things to be aware of. Number one, is this a law that was imposed on retailers without their, without their participation? Like the legislature just wrote up a vehicle code law, and you know we reserve the right to uh, change the contract anytime we want, right? So is that what they did? They, 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 did, did the legislature 
uh, create a law, an obligation, and impose it on retailers where they had to do this, yes or no? Well, the answer is, hell no. It, it, it's, it's a volitional program. It's by opt-in. That's what nobody's talking about. The state created this benefit for the retailer. But like the driving privilege, it's optional. The stores never had to participate. Now, to address your, your point, Angela, is there a way for the, the, the grocery store to give away bags? Yes, there always has been. They can, they can give away a bag legally. Now, the way that the, the section is written, and we want to use the, the words against them, okay, because that's how it works. Anything you say can will be used against you. Great. Well, let's take a look at the law and use it against these assholes who are ripping us off and lying to us. Shall not provide a single-use carryout bag to a customer at the point of sale. I'm sorry, man. We'd like to give you the bag, but it's the law. We can't do it. We're, we're getting real bad trouble, man. So we Here's what they can do. The words are at the point of sale. All they ha- how many folks have gone to the grocery store and they have a little stand outside the front door for wipes so you can wipe your hands or they have whatever the, yeah. the, the, the that kind of thing. All they got to do is put a dowel rod out there with a bunch of plastic bags on it for their customers. That's it cuz that's not the point of sale. That's the point of entrance, correct? Right. Nobody gets any trouble. No one can be prosecuted or punished for anything because there's no law broken. The, a failure to comply allegation will be bullshit because it, it, the, the, if people want to take the bag, that's their business. All the, all, the, all the shopkeeper did was put them out there. <laughs> you know, if you want to take one, taking one's optional. So how can they, how can they be but? And here's the other thing. Is this, is this a crime? Yes or no? Is it a crime to give away a bag? No. no. Anyway, you'll find... Right. So here's, here's where you folks want, in California want to look for the law that you'll hear the cashiers so dutifully express to you. It's in Public Resources Code, the California Public Resources Code, uh, Section 42283. And 42283.6, and also 42283. Now, I just read 42283, a store, as defined in paragraph one or two, blah, 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 shall not provide a single-use carryout bag to a customer at the point of sale. Here's what we see at 42283.6. The operator of a store, as defined in paragraph one or two, that makes the recycled paper reusable grocery bags available at the point of sale shall be subject to the provisions of the at-store recycling program. Got it, all right? Got it. Shall be subject to the provisions of the at-store recycling program. Hey, folks, guess what? There's a subsection B. <laughs> so I just read you, sex, you know, subsection A. Here's subsection B. A store that, are you all sitting down, voluntarily agrees to comply with the provisions of this article. 
pursuant to subdivision G of section 42280, shall also comply with the provisions of the App Store Recycling Program, Chapter 5.1, commencing with section 42250. <laughs> I didn't write those words. Voluntarily agrees. So the store, is, uh, the store participating in the program has waived or forfeited the right to give or be courteous or charitable and just in time for the holiday season. Because <laughs> that's when this happened. Can you say boom? All right. Yeah. So the joke's going to be played on the customer. The store doesn't have to comply with the bag ordinance unless they affirmatively opt in. Hey, folks, how do you know that the store who's selling the bags has followed the, raw, the rules? How do you know they're complying with the rules? How do you know? If you haven't read this stuff, if you haven't read these sections, you don't know. How, how do you know if they've read the sections? Do you think those cashiers actually know their job? If you want to find out if, they're, if they actually know their job, ask them this question. Hey, who's required to pay the CRB? That's over here in California. That's the California return value on the deposit you pay on a bottle of, of whatever beverage you get. Okay? So over here in California, when someone goes into a grocery store or any other kind of store to get a beverage, there's a CRV added to the cost. Well, ask whoever selling, who takes your money who's required to pay the CRV and see if they know the answer. There's only one correct answer, and it's not the customer. Oops. Yanked again. You should, uh, uh, for all you folks uh, well, that's who are... Like, that's like the sales tax, too. It, it, just like the sales tax, because people don't, don't know um, what taxes apply to. See, it's a tax on the exercise of a privilege. So the retailer is exercising the privilege of offering merchandise at retail and the distributor is offering beverages. So just so you folks know I'm not making anything up, um, again, take a look in, in the uh, California Public Resources Code at uh, 24560, 24560. And what, now that may have changed because they moved stuff around, but... <clears throat> Last time I checked, this is what it was. It was, oh, my apologies, 14560. of the California Public Resources Code, Division 12.1, California Beverage Container Recycling and Litter Reduction Act, Chapter 5, Minimum Redemption Value. And again, 14560. Here we go, except as provided in paragraph 3, a beverage distributor shall pay the department. Hmm. Hmm. I'm not a distributor. I'm an acquisitioner. I know there's a difference in the two verbs. The distributor gets rid of stuff. I'm acquiring stuff. The tax is on the, on the party getting rid of stuff, not the party get, uh, acquiring it. And the same, the same legal principle applies with sales tax. The sales tax is on the retailer. How do you know? Walk up by the front door and look for their business license. 
whoever's got the license get, gets banged in the wallet when they exercise the privilege. Hello, folks. This is what they're not teaching the kids. This is not what they taught to us. They didn't teach us any of this stuff, but this is what has to get out to people. When you hear the word license, you think ka-ching, you think money, you think greenbacks, you think business, commerce, because that's what it is. Whoever's got a license is involved in business. Oh, and if you're not, well, gosh, you better do something about it. Otherwise, you're going to have rules applied to you that don't apply to you, and you're, and you're not going to know how to get out of it. But you don't get out of it anyway. See, because getting out of it kind of sort of means you're getting away with something. And I don't teach people how to get away with anything. There's no reason to get away with anything. The thing to do is to show the employees the rules that they agreed to comply with. Everybody on the government payroll has an employment contract, an oath of office, and a bond. That is your leverage. They agreed not to uh, F up, folks. And when they do, they owe you. Now, this is really good news. This is, this is really good news. So let's go back over to this um, bag nonsense. So this, uh, <clears throat> again, of uh, 42283.6, subsection B, a store that voluntarily agrees. Now, what's the evidence of their voluntary agreement? Any idea? Well, I'll tell you what to look for. Um, now, interestingly enough, the Senate bill, by the way, this is a Senate bill. And, and so the bill uh, originated in the Senate, and it was number 270. So it's Senate Bill 270. And interestingly enough, um, this bill was introduced by our current Secretary of State, Padilla. And here's what uh, Padilla wanted to have happen, and which became law. The bill would allow a, a, would allow a retail establishment to voluntarily comply with these requirements if the retail establishment provides the department with irrevocable written notice. There you go, folks. That's the evidence you want to see. That's the evidence you want to demand from the merchant. Anybody who opens their mouth and acts like Judge Judy asks to see the irrevocable written notice and watch their facial expression, and listen to what they say. They won't have a clue. But you heard the words from the bill. Go find the bill and read them, and then you will have hearsay and personal knowledge, which is better than just hearsay. So you win. So here's a sample notice I conjured up when I thought of this. Um, we accept and agree to comply with the policy and procedure applicable to those retailers participating in the single-use carry-out bag program. We hereby waive and forfeit our right to opt out. We hereby assume all risk and liability for our failure to perform specifically to the terms and conditions of the single-use carry-out bag program set forth by the legislature. Uh, sincerely, Stater Brothers, Ralph's, Walmart, 7-Eleven, Kmart, Walmart, whoever. 
right? You should be something kind of sort of along those lines. There may be a guide, I don't know. But um, here's the thing. When they voluntarily agree to comply with the bag rule, they also voluntarily opt in and agree to comply with the rules applicable to the program. It's after they qualify by sending the irrevocable written notice. That's how they get in. That's how the rules now apply to them, and that's how the cashiers can say, oh, it's the law. Well, it may be the law, but have you done what you need to do in order to enforce this and make me buy a bag? See, they're, they're not making you buy a bag. As a matter of fact, they're lying. It's called deceit. It's called deception. It's called misrepresentation. It's called fraud. Period. It's fraud. If the cashier misrepresents the law, it's fraud. Period. And you've been damaged. You're standing there talking with someone who is in a position of quote-unquote authority who doesn't think that a cashier knows what they're doing. Come on, they stand there, they're taking money. You think they know about financial transactions and the rules applicable there too. Ask them about sales tax, ask them about the CRV, and ask them about the bag law and find out if they actually know what they're doing. They don't. They're lying to the very people who put food on their table and they don't give a shit. I've had, I've had Stater Brothers employees tell me, well, I don't have a problem with it. I had another one stand there and tell me after I handed him cash money, cash for about six or seven items, and I, and I said I didn't want a bag. And I go, you know, you, you, uh, Stater Brothers isn't required to sell a bag. You know, you guys can give them away if you want. You never had to participate. And he goes, well, you know, why give away something you can sell? He was he, he was he finished the transaction. He was leaning up against the cash register. There was no one behind me. And he had his arms crossed, and that's what he said. He, he didn't even realize that he was saying what he said to someone who just, just made a possible, handed him cash. He, he, it, 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 it just didn't dawn on him that what he said was an insult. Like, like, these are the people who, who, who buy groceries. They're, they're idiots. They're retards. They're morons. They don't have brains. You know, bottom line is they have you over a barrel. Now, the interesting thing about staters is they're, they're primarily, um, in my opinion, just a, a bunch of corporate pigs who could care less about the, about the people. Call and listen to their song while you're sitting in the queue. Call their corporate office and listen. Or go into a grocery store. Any of you folks, Stater Brothers is in Southern California. And uh, they have these little charity cards that you can buy. You know, help Stater Brothers help the community. You buy a $5, $15 card and help the folks in the community over here. We're helping them out. Yeah, we're helping them out by ripping off our other customers, selling bags we never had to sell them. <laughs> so, yeah, aren't they nice? Helping out the folks in the community. You know what they're helping the folks in the community do? Be even more messed up than they already are. How many of you folks know how much you can stick in a paper bag? A, 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 a paper grocery bag, how much before it breaks? Right. You don't know well, that. Probably. Well, I think you could probably put $50, $60, depending on what it is. But the point is, you're stuff in a bag. Yeah, but here's they the don't. point, Angela. Here's the point, Angela. They shift hmm. the burden to their customer to figure out how many bags they need and how much stuff they can put in each bag. That's what they've done. 
they've, they, they've, they've told their customers, we don't give a shit about your privacy. We don't care about any of this stuff. We don't care if you've got to figure out how many bags you need. You know, just you know. apologize. You know, it, it's pathetic. You hear what these, you know, these elders. I stood behind two veterans one day in this grocery store. One dude, the dude in front of me was in a wheelchair. And this bullshit that went down about the bags was just pathetic. These two men who are in service, I approached both of them after, after I got my stuff and left. I just walked up to this one dude, and I go, hey, soldier. And, um, and uh, I go, don't let them rip you off, man. And I handed him one of my little cards that I hand out to people. Um, did you know? Little did you know cards. And... Um, I told him, hey, man, uh, you're getting ripped off. They didn't have to sell the bags. They don't have to sell, you know, you didn't have to buy a bag. Just check it out. You're looking at it. Thank you very much. He thanked me. Nice guy. Got my truck, you know, and I caught up with the dude in the wheelchair who was, uh, he was heading out. So I caught up with him, and I said, hey, soldier, you know, thanks a lot for your service and everything, blah, blah, blah. Here's this card. Don't let them rip you off. You don't have, they don't have to sell a bag. You don't have to buy a bag. It's all a scam, blah, blah, blah. Thanks a lot. Have a nice day. Um, so, so the, the point is you have the customer acting as if they're, they're offending the people who work in the store. This is just pathetic to watch this. People just falling over themselves apologizing uh, because they didn't bring enough bag. You know, it's just ridiculous. But the fact remains that participation is voluntary. They, they, they never had to participate. Now, they, de- they voluntarily decided to screw their customers some more. I guess the sales tax and the CRV in a profit just isn't enough. So what was, what's their motive and opportunity? Well, the retailer who participates receives compensation for something they formerly didn't. They save money by not giving away bags. Duh. And, and then they can claim they're prohibited by law from giving the bags away. Well, this is true as long as they volunteer to participate. But, folks, I'm telling you what what they need to have, the evidence you need to see in order for them to legitimately be selling the bags. So keep in mind that every one of our purchases is a vote, and a vote for a particular company and its business practices. These people are guests in our community. That's what the license should represent to all you folks, especially the folks who read the Bible. There's a really cool part in there where um, uh, there's a disciple and a local, and they're walking down the road in a place called Capernaum, and uh, the the local wanted to know what Jesus' take on tribute was. Um, So... The disciple goes, well, he's hanging out over here. Let's go ask him. So they go to where Jesus was hanging out, and uh, uh, the the conversation kind of goes, hey, hey, yo, Jesus, this guy was at, was wondering about tribute. You know, what's your take on tribute? And so Jesus turns to the local guy and goes, well, from whom do the kings of earth collect tribute, uh, foreigners or the children? And the local goes, well, um, foreigners. And Jesus goes, then the children are free. How does that work in regular everyday life, folks? Well, 
whoever is a member of your family, they're one of your children. So they get the they get the salad and dinner for free. For me, it's a privilege. It's not a right. It's a privilege. So that's how that works. If I, if if you worked at a McDonald's, uh, you get the French fries for free. Me, I'm a customer. I pay full price. But you're one of the children. You work there, so you get it for free. All right. Who's required to have a business license? Who doesn't have the right to open a store in our community? A foreigner. That's why they have a license. If it was a right, they don't need permission from who? Their employees up in Sacramento? I like to use the analogy of a, uh, a horse farm. Let's say you owned a horse ranch, okay, and you felt like going for a ride one day. Do you go out and, and, and uh, ask your stable boy's permission or stable girl's permission to ride one of your horses, or you just tell them to mount up a particular one you feel like riding today? Right. So why the hell, if you're one of the locals, if you're one of the children, if you're one of the people, are you asking permission from your employees to do the stuff you do, like use your car to go anywhere, especially when you're not being compensated for it? It makes no sense unless we're talking about fraud and extortion. Then it makes a, a, a truckload of sense. But nobody in their right mind could defend uh, being a, a, a Christian and having a driver's license. <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't work. You're on, you, pe- people are attempting to walk forward and backwards at the same time. It's impossible. You know, there's a, you can't have you know you can't uh, have two gods or something like that. Whatever the thing is, you know, you're going to worship one and not the other. Well, that's what's happening. So everybody who has a license, they they don't know what they're what what they're doing. They've never seen the definition of the word driver driving. They've, it's been hearsay. They just heard you got to have a license. Well, you do have to have a license. Driving is a privilege. Of course, it's a privilege. Of course, you got to have a license. Of course, but why? It's simple. The state regulates certain uh, commercial activity. Driving or the transportation business is one of them. They also regulate the um, uh, undertaker business and the optometrist business and, and the real estate business and the attorney business. There's all kinds of businesses that ha- you got to have a license to, to do. But you don't have to have your servant's permission to use your property on your property to go get food. That's an errand. That's not driving. If someone gives you five bucks for gas, they're not a passenger. A passenger is a customer. Okay? A little kid flagging down an ice cream truck on a sidewalk or the curb, is a potential customer. They're letting the ice cream vendor, retailer, know they want to do some business by holding up their hand. This is what people do outside of uh, theaters in New York City after they see a play or a movie. They, wait, they go to the curb, they stick their hand up, and they flag down a cab. Hello, do you get what's going on here, folks? You have a Class C license in your wallet. Probably the majority of you do. Class C for commerce. <laughs> I don't know if that's what it means, but uh, let's use it as a Class C. Next time you see a cab driver, just walk up to him. 
All you got to do is walk up to them and say, hey, I'm thinking about being a cab driver. What kind of a license you got to have to do that? Well, you have a Class C. That's it? Yeah. What about a uh, nothing else? No, Class C and uh, make sure you're bondable. Okay. Folks, what does that tell you? In your wallet, you've got a little card that permits you to transact business using your device that you identify as a motor vehicle. That's it. Now, here's, here's a question for the cop. If they pull you over for some alleged violation of the vehicle code. Officer, at the time you initiated contact with me, um, did you have reason to believe I was transacting business? What? Did you have reason to believe I was transacting business? Uh, what does that have to do with anything? It's just a question, sir, yes or no. Whoa. Well, uh, you're doing 10 miles over the speed limit, sir. What does one thing have to do with the other? <laughs> Thank you, officer. Officer, do um, you have any evidence that I was engaged in business at the time prior, uh, you know, prior to your contact? What? Do you have any evidence, like a receipt, bill of lading, manifest, invoice, work order, anything that represents I was being compensated or about to be, uh, you know, at the time you initiated contact with me? You know why Hillary wasn't prosecuted? Lack of evidence. Hey, folks, wake up. Lack of evidence. Insufficient evidence. If you folks don't know what evidence is required for your accuser to make their case, you ain't ever going to win. And the only way you will is by pure luck. But you'll never be able to put your finger on how it happened, and that's what it's in what I teach people. I'm from the planet Y. I want to know why stuff works, and most people don't, and they don't like people like me. I don't care. I don't teach people how to guess. I teach people how to know. Knowing is better than guessing. I don't play games. Law isn't a game. I don't do law stuff to win anything. That's not why I do law. I don't go into a courtroom to win anything. It is not a game. It is not competition for me. There is no competition. Anybody who competes with me will lose. I don't compete. And so the dynamics I bring to the equation are different than the majority of other people. But they'll blame me because their shtick isn't working as effectively as it does on other people. I don't care. What's happening in a courtroom is an abomination. This guy who was in San Diego got ripped off. He was abused, he was mistreated, and he got ripped off. Every single case I work on with people, they get yanked. And it's always something new. Always something new. I helped a guy uh, with a couple of infraction cases up in the Bay Area uh, a few years ago. And he, he was in two different courts in two different counties, both for infractions, both officers issued notices to appear. Those three words were on the top of the paper issued by the peace officers. Now, in his first case, the judge, it was a judge on this traffic and infraction case, that's unusual, 
but it was the judge, and the issue came up about the notice to appear. And the judge said, there is no notice to appear. A judge said that on the record. I've got, I've got the transcript. He said, there's no notice to appear. Okay, those are the three words at the top of that piece of paper, and a judge, someone wearing a black robe, said that's not what that paper is. Unbelievable. Anyway, that guy goes to his next case. Different county, different judge. The issue about the notice to appear comes up. Why does it come up? Well, because the notice to appear is not a criminal complaint. What do you mean, Rich? Well, uh, a notice to appear is not the piece of paper that's going to get you into a criminal action. It doesn't work that way. What do you mean, Rich? Well, you see, a policeman or a, or a highway patrol officer or a sheriff deputy issues a notice to appear. Yeah, what's your point? Well, they don't get to prepare criminal complaints. Really? Yeah, they're just the state's witness. All they do is issue notice to appears. Well... Is it, is, but isn't that all you need to get into to, to do traffic court? Well, yeah, if you want. What do you mean if I want? i got to go. Well, I know that's what they want you to believe. But when you take a look at the rules, what you're going to find is proceeding to trial on a notice to appear is optional. <laughs> it's like the grocery stores. You, see, you can opt in if you want, or you don't got to. The legislature was nice, and they provided discretion for you to proceed on the notice to appear. But you don't have to. And anybody who knows anything about law would not proceed to trial on a notice to appear. Why? Because it wasn't prepared by an attorney who prepares criminal complaints. Attorneys, members of the district attorney's office or the city attorney's office under appropriate circumstances. But the district attorney is the people's attorney. And if they don't choose, like in the Hillary case, to file a criminal uh, complaint, then you're not going to go to a criminal trial, just like Hillary. That's how it works. It's a lawyer who's required to sign a criminal complaint, but they'd rather you didn't know that. Because if you know that, then you're going to start talking about things like discovery and other stuff that the DA has to do. They don't have discretion. They have to do it. How are you winding up in a traffic court, being, which is a criminal action, without the people even being there? If it's just you, the officer, and the uh, judge or commissioner, Where's your accuser? Oh, well, that's the officer. <laughs> Sorry, wrong. No, that's the state's witness. Oh. Yeah, state's witness. So we get to in interrogate the state's witness. Actually, the cop is your accuser, but the people are accusing you in a criminal action. That's how it works. And, and, uh, it was the cop that filed the report, and then, the, and then it theoretically goes to the DA's office for them to determine if there is sufficient evidence. Sufficient evidence, folks. Those are two very, very important words, sufficient evidence, sufficient evidence. They better have sufficient evidence or they're not going to win. 
Here's a question for everybody. It's your government. The DA works for you. What's their budget? What's the DA's budget? How much do they have for every case? Hmm? Do you know? Uh, How much it's they... unlimited, right? Who knows? Well, it's un... <laughs> well, I like the way you think, Angela. Yeah, it's unlimited because we're the people who are either going to raise taxes and all these other uh, costs. I mean, yeah. Their... Yeah, that's how they're going to cover their costs. But here's the good news. The DA is not required to, to mount a case every time they get a, a report of an, of an alleged crime. So what they do is they pick and choose. If they didn't pick and choose, uh, th there wouldn't be enough DAs to go around. They'd have to keep the courts open 24-7, 365. It would be impossible to get anything done. So uh, due to budget constraints, and, and this was actually referred to by this lunatic in Fremont, this lunatic judge. This guy um, raised the issue of the uh, DA not being there. The DA wasn't there. The people didn't show up. They forfeited their case. So what did this – and this is a and, – and, and this guy, uh, he had these two judges say that notice to appears were not <laughs> notice to appears. Um, this, this particular judge actually had the audacity to say, look, well, what do you expect? You know, you know, we have murder trials or infraction trials. What do you want the DAs to work on? It's not the defendant's responsibility to answer that question. This judge is being political with a defendant who's still innocent during his trial. He went, and, and this judge went on to, in fact, dismiss the, his accuser during his examination of the accuser because the guy wouldn't back off his yes or no questions. He, he did a marvelous job um, attempting uh, getting the officer to admit the paper he issued was a notice to appear. What he had to do to get the officer to make the admission was incredible, and the judge was still pissed off at the guy and dismissed the, the cop before he completed, uh, the defendant completed his examination of the officer. And then, and then the judge wanted him to continue putting his case on. <laughs> the, stuff, the stuff I've witnessed in the last five years is just, it, it redefines insanity. And people are, are okay with this stuff. What happened? Have, what's that? Well, he was found guilty oh. and, and, uh, in both cases, unfortunately. And unfortunately for me, he, he chose not to appeal. So I uh, guess we didn't get, you know, a slice on the back end. Because what I do is, um, or what I've discovered is, that it's really not a big discovery. It's pretty simple when you think about it. Uh, no employee has the authority to jack up the boss. It's the way it is. Everybody knows that the employee is the employee and the employer is the employer, and that's how it works. So once we, once we appreciate the fact that the employees are limited in what they can do, and by the way, um, I, I spoke with a friend today and, um, about jurisdiction. They were, they were, in, they were considering a ju jurisdiction, and um, jurisdiction is the key to everything. Um, and jurisdiction uh, consists of both um, a location and also the authority to act. So sometimes the word jurisdiction will be used in a, in a context that people are not familiar with, and that is authority to act. 
a judge had jurisdiction because the state provided it, okay? Uh, so he had, um, so, so without jurisdiction, um, government employees have a big problem. So the question, the first question to ask when it comes to an allegation, you've been accused of something by one of your employees, um, were they authorized to do what they did? Do they have jurisdiction, in other words? So a traffic stop consists of the boss, you, and an, and an employee, the cop. So the employee activates the red lights, jacks up the cop, uh, the boss. The question, the question for me is, was the employee authorized to do what they did? Because they're going to allege I wasn't authorized to do what I did. That's the allegation. Failure to comply. You weren't authorized to do what you did. You didn't have jurisdiction. You're a trespasser. You got to pay. That's how it works. You broke a rule. Okay. They never. Did they ever um, prove that the rule actually applied to you? I mean, if if let's say, let's say you're an undertaker and optimist. Are you an undertaker and optimist? 24 hours, seven days a week? Or is that what you do when you're on the... Yeah, see? That's what people are not thinking about. Yeah, I might be a... a a building contractor, but I'm not a building contractor on Sunday morning when I take my wife over to Denny's for, you know, a, a grand slam breakfast or something. It doesn't work that way. So if a cop came in and accused me of, uh, um... Uh, you know, building something on a suspended license, you know, it's Sunday, uh, you know, while I'm, I'm standing at the urinal in the Denny's bathroom, uh, what? Doesn't quite work that way. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm an independent uh, or I'm a building contractor, but right now I just, uh, I'm a satisfied customer taking a leak. All right. So, um, How's the cop supposed to prove the guy was, was building on a, on a suspended license while he was in a Denny's? The cop's going to lose. It's stupid. So, yeah, you might have a license, but don't they have to establish with some sufficient evidence that you were on the job at the time the cop stopped you? Come on, man. This is not rocket science, folks. And people so, are just... So- Go ahead. How is how is jurisdiction related to location? Well, jurisdiction is like um, like a federal uh, like uh, for example in a federal park in California. That's okay. a, you know a, a federal federal agents have jurisdiction within that geographic jurisdiction. So so jurisdiction is both a, lo- a physical location and it's also authority to act. That's there, there, so there. It, it has different definitions, is what I'm getting at. So, if you're on a state a state park, does that give them jurisdiction? Give who jurisdiction? Feds? A judge. Okay. Well, a judge has jurisdiction. It depends on. Okay. Yeah, it's you have in personam. That's like you. And and then you have subject matter. That's the conduct or the behavior or something. Okay, so um, there's there's in personam subject matter uh, jurisdiction.
jurisdiction, there's, there's essentially three legs of the jurisdictional stool. And without those three legs, the, the judge isn't going to sit for very long. They're going to hit that stool and fall right over. So the question is, do they have the, the authority to do what they do on these three topics? So, and what uh, are so the three legs? Okay, well, uh, authority to act, jurisdiction. They, well, 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 in personam, that means, it, you know, they have authority over you, number one. Number two, they have authority over the subject matter, like this is traffic, a, a traffic allegation. So presumptively, a traffic court commissioner is going to, going to have at least two legs of the jurisdictional stool when you go into that courtroom. One is in personam, that's over you, and then the other is subject matter, traffic, and then the authority to, the authority to make a decision anyway. So I, I just want it to be clear that jurisdiction can mean two different things. It can mean the authority to act or a, a, a geographic location. Okay. Well, hopefully that's clear. Um, yeah. Anyhow, um, the, the the bottom line is the employees have more rules that apply to them than apply to the people they work for. And unless we know what those rules are, um, they're going to get compensated for what they shouldn't what they should be punished for now again there's this guy in north carolina and uh i'll go back to this story because it's really good uh, i mean what this cop said is incredible uh the passenger was asked to exit the vehicle and submit to a search the location where bright stopped was described as a drug house by an officer heard on the video. When Bright kept recording the interaction, Wilmington Police Sergeant Kenneth Becker confronted him and told him to stop recording. In an interview Wednesday, Bright said he's confident the officers knew the information for giving was false. Quote, they should know, I'm sure they, they do know, that it's legal to record police, end quote, Bright said. Now here's the exchange, part of the exchange between Bright, the attorney, and the cop. Hey, bud, turn that off, okay? Driver, no, I'll keep recording. Thank you, it's my right. Officer, don't record me. You got me? Driver, look, you're a police officer on duty. I can record you. Officer walks to the driver's side of the vehicle. Officer, be careful because there's a new law. Turn it off or I'll take you to jail. Driver, for recording you? What is the law? Officer, step out of the car. Driver, what are you arresting me for? I'm sitting here in my car. I'm just recording in case anything happens. I'm surrounded by five police officers. Officer, you're being a jerk. Driver, I'm scared right now. I'm not being a jerk. I'm recording in case anything happens. Officer, you better hope we don't find something in your car. Driver, you're not searching my car. Officer, I'm going to search your car. Driver, you're not searching my car. Officer calls for canine unit. Driver, Bring the canines. I don't care. I know my rights. Officer, I hope so. I know what the law is. Driver, I know the law. I'm an attorney. So I would hope I know what the law is. Officer, and an Uber driver? 
I don't know what you folks heard, Matt, but I heard a lot of extortion and I heard a lot yeah. of fraud. Uh, hey, bud, turn that off, okay? That, that's not a that's not a question. That's a that's a that's a statement packaged as a question. Yeah. Hey, bud. Right. No, I'll keep recording. It's my right. Don't record me. You got me. That's an implied threat, folks. It's a command. It's an order. You got me. That's an implied threat. The officer walks to the side of the guy's vehicle, driver's side. Be careful because there's a new law. Turn it off or I'll take you to jail. That's a direct threat, folks. That's extortion right there. This cop is going to jail. Officer, step out of the car. That's another command. That's another order. Remember, this guy is innocent. Driver, what are you arresting me for? Officer, you're being a jerk. Sorry, folks. There ain't no criminal jerk statutes anywhere. All right? doesn't work that way. Yeah, you get to be a jerk. You might get bitch slapped, but you don't get taken to jail for this stuff. You're being a jerk. This cop is going to jail. Driver, I'm scared right now. Hey, folks, this is one smart attorney. Tell the cop you're scared. Well, you tell the cop anything you want, but if it was me, I'm scared. Uh, please have your supervisor sent out to the, out here. I'm not going to say anything else. I'm scared. Just tell them you're scared. Officer, you better hope we don't find something in your car. Hey, folks, um, isn't that something that you probably um, remember hearing when you were like five? <laughs> you know, when mom and dad, well, I better not find a cookie under your pillow. You know, yeah. or, or the tooth fairy is not gonna, you're not gonna show up tonight, right? Yeah, you're not searching my car. I'm gonna search your car. You're not searching my car. Yeah, I don't. Well, how about, okay. What about signing a ticket? You know, I I what? refused to sign a ticket one time, and the cop said, "All right, I'll take you to jail then." You, you and because it. I was, of course, I signed. I was with my son, so I didn't want to go to jail, so I signed the, the damn thing. But well, I beat it good. anyway because it was an illegal traffic stop. But I beat it. So, But, I, I mean, it was, you know, a pain in the ass. I had to take off work that day. Okay. I had to go to the courthouse. Well, thank, blah, blah, thanks, blah. For, thanks for bringing this up because now it opens the door to what people like to do. They want to beat and they want to win. Okay, I, I'm not interested in beating or winning. That's not why I'm doing this. I'm interested, I'm interested in, in um, asserting my rights effectively and defending myself effectively and getting paid when, someone, um, when someone's conduct adversely affects my interests. Mm -hmm. They may not have done anything to me, but because of what they did, I was adversely affected, as in your case. Your time was adversely affected by that moron cop who didn't know his job. So right. to answer your question about the notice to appear and signing it, you better sign it, okay, because they do have the right to take you if you don't. But here's the thing. How you sign it is important. Remember, it's a contract. Mm -hmm. Without admitting guilt, I promise to appear. That's a contract. And because it's a contract, you have the right to amend it. Aha. The good All point. Right? Here we go. Yeah. Give it to me, baby. You know the word <laughs> promise. Okay, the word promise 
um, what I've done is I've crossed that word out, and I've added the word non, N-O-N, a thump, fit. Non, a thump, fit. And what that means is no promise. So now there's an issue that you can raise in the courtroom, okay? And the other day I was thinking, and uh, I was in one of those. But let me wait holes. one second. Go ahead. Wait, let me yeah. let me let me ask you this: Are you you're 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 putting you're crossing out promise and writing in non-assumption, or are you signing it non-assumption? Well, I was just about to get to that part, answer that question. Oh, okay, question go, ahead. For it. go ahead. Yeah, I was, I was sitting here thinking the other day, um, you know, and I was being a bit of an asshole. I'm going, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know, they, they can't process things without a signature, right? If there's no signature on that notice to appear, they got a big promise. I mean, they got a big promise. Yeah, they got problem. a big problem. <laughs> Yeah, I promise they're going to have a big problem if you write the words non-assump sit on the signature line. Because when a judge sees that, they're going to go, what's that? (laughs) Well, you know what? It's not a signature. Oops. Without a signature, it looks like somebody wearing a black robe might not have all the legs of that jurisdictional stool I was talking about a moment ago. Oopsie. You know, uh, there's a uh, uh, one of our people here on the chat, Addie, I believe it is, C427, is saying they ask you to electronically sign it now. Ooh. So, what does that mean? Yeah, I don't, I, I, it's the same thing, right? I mean, when I go to the market and I use my debit card, yeah. And if it's over a certain amount of money, they want me to sign the electronic thing. Yeah. I just sign it all rights reserved every time, and no one's ever caught it. Because my first really? name starts with an A, so I guess they see the A and they just assume Wait I signed it. But I've, I never Wait. signed my name. Let me, let me ask you a question. Um, you actually signed something legibly? Well, yeah. As well, as, you, as much as possible to, on one of those glass you, things, you know. It's no, like no, no. You, 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 need, you need to work on that, okay? okay. I, I mean, uh, yeah, I've gone, I've gone over to the post office. You just want to mail a letter now? You have to actually, you know, touch that little machine. Yes or no? I don't, I don't want to touch that. Oh, you have to? No, I don't. Show me where it oh, says machine. I have to. There's a machine at the oh, post office. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, if you got perishables in it or something like this or whatever. And anyway, I've I've never, uh, whenever I've capitulated, I've never left anything legible. You know, UPS delivery is nothing. I mean, it's never legible. I mean, what the hell? I know what they're doing. They're collecting data. They don't need my signature. I don't know who they're selling it. I don't even leave a signature, though, so it's okay. But let's say, but let's say uh, you you actually find your name. You don't you don't change anything and promise to appear. So what? Go go to court. They're they they're they're not going to win legally. 
you're going to win by cheating because you don't know, people don't know what to say. They don't know what the, what the responsibility of, of, of the other team uh, members are. It's very simple. They have rules to follow. And what the, what the claim is, you failed to comply with a rule that they claim applies to you. But they never produce the evidence and they never make their case. And nobody knows what the elements are that they have to establish with evidence in order to win. And until people understand this and find out about those issues, they're going to, people are going to, the courts are raping people. That's what they're doing. They act nice, but it's rape at the end of the day. This one guy helped out uh, about a year ago up in Ventura. This guy was in front of five different, one, one judge, uh, one commissioner, and, and four judges. Four different judges. They just beat the hell out of this guy legally. He was in, he was in court uh, uh, um, three, three weeks in a row. I kept getting extensions and stuff. It, it was insane what they were doing there. And uh, it was a railroad job. Um, and and, and un, unless and until people... This is what, I, what I've... I think the biggest issue for me that I've, I've, I've been able to... Um, I keep seeing over and over the same, I guess, fatal flaw with everybody who goes into court. It's the same thing. They, they don't have a very great appreciation of their rights. They don't know why or what it is they're protecting and defending. Uh, uh, here, here's, 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 a, um, here's a little test. The original Constitution of California, the one from 1849, uh, acknowledges that the people have the right to acquire, possess, and enjoy um, safety and property, and we have that right. And then there's other rights that are enumerated, and then at Section 21, we're informed that by the legislature that in addition to the enumerated rights preceding this section, there are those that are, are retained by the people. How many people have retained an inalienable right in the last six months or year? Right. People don't even know what a retained right is. We have the enumerated rights, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. That's what Jefferson referred to. But in California, they went one better said not only do you have the right to pursue happiness, you have the right to obtain it. And then the California legislature, the people who wrote the Constitution, went, went even further and um, included that people have retained rights. Well, if you don't know what an unalienable right is, how are you going to know what a retained right is? People aren't going into court to defend an inalienable right. They're going into a courtroom because they don't want to have to go to traffic school and take money out of their wallet. 
Well, those are the wrong reasons to go to court. That's why people are going to lose. That's why the attorneys and everybody else is in that room, because they want money. Well, they're going to have one hell of a time getting it from me. Because <laughs> a lot of people's eyes and ears are going to bleed before they get a dime out of me. They're going to get a lot of law. And they don't want to. They don't want to hear the law that I'm going to spew. It's it's this stuff, and and the majority of people, especially the uh, the attorney types, they they're going to argue stuff that they're just going to demonstrate their their ignorance about. But but I want to I want to get back to this. Um, I want to get back to this story because it, it led to something I did. See, I saw this one. Um, uh, sentence. Lieutenant Jerry Brewer with the new Hanover County Sheriff's Office said there is no internal investigation in that department because their, they, their deputy did not violate anything. Well, when I saw that, I went, really? So I got on the phone and I, ca- and I uh, called, um, I, I, went, I went to call the city council members of Wilmington, North Carolina. I wanted to alert them that this guy, Lieutenant Jerry Brewer with the new Hanover County Sheriff's Office, who said there's no internal investigation in that department because th- their deputy did not violate anything. Well, Jerry uh, lied. And, and, and I wanted uh, the folks back there to know about the fact that he lied. You see, old, old, old Jerry was, was, was a big fat liar because their deputy did violate a whole bunch of stuff. You see, he... Uh, the, the officer, uh, uh, Bright said he decided to record because he was being asked several questions. He said after being told he would be taken to jail, Sergeant Becker attempted to open his door. But Bright said he held on tight and wouldn't let him in. You know what, folks? When Sergeant Becker touched the guy's door, he committed battery. That's right. Don't believe me? Look it up. Assault is different than battery. So don't confuse the two because the courts don't do that, notwithstanding what you've heard. Okay, battery is the touching part. The assault is the possibility or, you know, the the potential of touching. But the battery is the um, non-consensual touching. And um, let's say you're, here's an example. Say you're walking down, you're walking your dog down the sidewalk, and I walk by and I kick your dog. You can sue me for assault and battery, even though I, I kicked your dog. But you can sue me and you'll be successful. Well, Sergeant Becker attempted to open this guy's door. That's battery. So that's one thing that are, that occurred. Number two, the officer said, "Hey, bud, turn that off. That's an order. Don't record me. You got me." That's, that's an implied threat. Uh, be careful because there's a new law. Turn it off or I'll take you to jail. That's a threat, folks. This, this cop is, is nothing but a common criminal, period. So I call the city council and nobody answered their phone. <laughs> so um, I wound up calling the city attorney's office and let, you know, kind of cluing them in. Um, I then... Uh, um, uh, called a, a few people at the state assembly 
but they were in session, and apparently there's so few people in, in state government that there, there's nobody in the office when they're in session. Like, if, 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 if they're in session in California and you call an assembly member's office, someone will pick up the phone, but in other states, there's, you know, they don't have as many people. So I wound up calling the, uh, uh, the head of the assembly, and someone was there in that office, and they actually took the call, and I told them what I just shared with you, that, that, that this officer needs to, these officers need to be fired. They need to be thrown in jail for what they did. And I, I pointed out that, you know, when people find out about this, you know, why should they want to come to, to Wilmington or uh, New Hanover, wherever, and um, support your merchants or stay in your hotels or go to your theaters or, or spend money in your state. Why do I want to come there and subject myself to this sort of stuff? I mean, if this is what, what the cops are doing to the locals, what's he going to do to me if I'm from California? This is what a lot of people don't get. See, I don't care about imaginary borders. This stuff has to do with my rights here in California, and my rights are the same in California as the people's in North Carolina. And, and it's front-page news that what these cops are doing is illegal. They should be in jail, prosecuted. I called the district attorney's office as well in uh, New Hanover, and I spoke with whoever answered the phone, and I shared with them what I've shared with you. This is what I do. I see something, and this is what I did when that woman in Texas was uh, yanked out of her car. She wasn't yanked out of her car, but a cop pulls, his, pulls Sandra Bland over for not using her turn indicator when she was letting a cop car pass. She thought she was letting a cop car pass. He pulled her over, and the reason was she didn't use her turn indicator. Okay, so when you see the cop enter the scene on the dash cam, he walks up to her car. He doesn't touch her car. He, he starts talking to her and then asks her to extinguish her cigarette. He asked her, so she refused because she's got first right of refusal. The cop kept pressing her to put it out. She declined. The cop then yanked the door open. There's assault and battery. So what I did after I saw the video, I would make calls to, to Texas, the assembly there, um, wherever the city was that this took place, and I would, I would tell who, whoever answered the phone that it just I, w I would ask them if they saw the video. Did you see the video? Yeah. Okay, here's what I'd like for you to do. Just watch the scene, the part where the cop walks into the screen, and then they, they walk back uh, to the cop car once she gets out of the cop car. Just watch that part. That's all you have to watch. It's like a 45-minute video or something, but just watch that part. And what you'll see is three crimes committed by that cop. First, he's making a warrantless arrest for non-criminal behavior. That's one thing. Then he's got assault. Then he's got the battery. I mean, this guy is, he's going to jail. He's going to get fired. What happened to Sandra Bland? She's taken to jail. Three days later, she's found dead, hanging in her cell by a plastic bag. Right. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. 
Remember that guy up in San Francisco, that, that dude who was running from the cops? And, like, there were about 10 cops, and they had him up. He was up against the wall, and there were 10 cops surrounding him. They all shot at him and, and murdered him. Okay, this all happened within about, the, within about two or three months of each other. And then there was this, uh, case, there, there was this uh, situation in L.A. that occurred where uh, this, this, this kid, this teenage guy, was riding his bicycle home, and he, wasn't, um, he didn't have his hands on the handlebars. Well, wake up. That's what guys do. Um, they, they do stuff like that. So anyway, uh, a cop saw him and followed him home. Well, he got home, went into the house. The cop went up to the front door, said, hi, we need you to send your son, down, son out. And, they, and his parents went, said no. So uh, the cop explained to him, look, he, he wasn't wearing a bicycle helmet. just want to give him a ticket, you know, a 25-buck ticket and blah, blah, blah. So they let the kid go outside. What happens? The cop handcuffs him. Now, at the time the cop handcuffs him, keep in mind there's – five or six other cops on scene. They're all on scene for a kid who was riding a bicycle without his hands on the handlebars and not wearing a bicycle helmet. Sorry, it's not a crime. Okay? So what I did was I called L.A. City Council members and Board of Supervisors, and I told them what I've been telling you folks. Infractions are not crimes. The cops misappropriated public money. I hope that his parents lawyer up and sue the shit out of L.A., okay, because if they do, they're going to win because they got a slam-dunk case. The cop did not observe a crime, and they defrauded the people, and then he assaulted and battered the guy who rode the bicycle. So I hope they sue the shit out of L.A., and, they have, and L.A. has to pay millions of dollars because – then maybe the people will get pissed off and say, hey, what's going on with those guys over there? How come they're making warrantless arrests for non-criminal conduct? Why are they lying to people's families? Why are they doing this kind of stuff? And then I would tell the city council members about the Sandra Bland case. She was pulled over for non-criminal conduct, got, wound up being, being yanked out of her car by this cop, taken to jail where she was found dead in her, in her cell three days la later hanging by a plastic bag. Oh, yeah, their, their claim was she committed suicide. Here's the kick in the ass about this. That cop stayed on the payroll and continued to issue tickets for the same uh, um, violation, not using a turn indicator on like 20 occasions in addition to everything else. And it took a, um, a group of people – there was a, a petition, an online petition, um, where something like forty or 50,000 people signed it to have this cop kicked off the force. I don't know really what happened to him, uh, but, um, I, I, or I, I know what happened, but I don't remember because <laughs> it was a while ago. But the fact is that, that we don't have to be tolerating this. And to tolerate it, is not cost-effective. It's simply bad business because what's happening is our employees are being rewarded for crime. And as long as they're being rewarded, they're never going to stop. Duh. So the objective is for people to find out what the rules are that apply to their employees 
so that in the event one of their employees doesn't or let me fails to comply then you me can make an accurate allegation but i'm not trying to win anything i don't want to win anything all i want to do is show them the rule that applied to this idiot who didn't know the rule and spank him i want a paycheck out of this for my time i didn't want to stop i didn't want to talk to that guy i sure as hell don't want to be standing in this room with you guys you're boring i don't like talking to people like you because you're boring and you're dull and you don't say anything that means anything to me so you better have me dead to rights or you're going to wind up paying me now what i know is there's no authority for a cop uh to pull anyone over for non-criminal conduct doesn't exist as a matter of fact i have a letter in play up to uh to a, an assembly member for the district i i'm living in and the first letter i sent was on november 22nd easy date to remember and the letter i sent to the assembly member was uh our california peace officers has the legislature authorized um peace officers to make a warrantless arrest for non-criminal conduct if so at what code section do we find the authorization that's what i sent plain simple easy to understand i didn't ask for any legal advice i didn't get any response to the to the letter on november 22nd so i sent a follow-up about 10 days ago i'm going to keep sending a letter until i get a response oh my gosh and, Where, and did you who'd you send it to no the assembly it, it, it doesn't matter what assembly member you send it to just send it to the one for your district right you know? okay assembly member that's right. what i was going yeah 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 because they make the rules they write the law now now the response i'm going to get is going to be on state letterhead anything they say can and will be used against them i am manufacturing material evidence that i will use in a court case i'm making my own evidence they don't want to believe me fine no problem people want to look at me like i'm an idiot i don't know what i'm talking about no problem i've got evidence no one else has i've got an envelope from the department of motor vehicles that somebody typed they actually typed my name correctly California state citizen lowercase s care of and no zip code somebody actually did that I've got evidence from the Department of Motor Vehicles that they acknowledge state citizenship if you people don't know what state citizenship is look into it has to do with jurisdiction who's required to pay sales tax any kind of tax have a license blah 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 okay if you don't know about state citizenship well uh, blame the public schools because they should have taught you anyhow I'm a state citizen I'm not a US citizen so I can make arguments other people can't make but US citizens can make some really powerful arguments as long as they know the rules but when it comes to me uh, the employees and you know local government and state government are going to have a problem in the jurisdiction department um 
convicting me of anything because the rules that they're going to pull out, especially the cops when it comes to the vehicle code, that doesn't apply to state citizens. That only applies to U.S. citizens. Folks, um, you've been played for chumps. They know full well how this works, and you don't. Go see if you can get a driver's license without a social security number. That'll tell you what you need to know about who's required to have one, who the children are and who the foreigners are. Californians are not the subject of the vehicle code. The vehicle code does not apply to me. It applies to U.S. citizens. The only people who will be issued a a driver's license have, well, this is kind of interesting, not anymore, but uh, will have a social security number or they'll be a trespasser from Mexico or some other country. But they are not going to be a state citizen. That's for sure. Okay? So a driver's license will be issued to a trespasser from Mexico or wherever else they're coming from and um, U.S. citizens, but they won't issue one to me. So here's a question for you. Let's say you're pulled over for driving without a license. You don't have a license, <clears throat> okay? You're not, if you're found guilty, the judge is not going to order you to go get one and bring it back and show them. Why? It's a very important question, folks. Why? It has everything to do with jurisdiction. Why will you not be ordered to go get a, a driver's license and bring it back and show the judge? Why? Because you cannot be forced to, to contract. Contracting under duress voids the contract. It doesn't make a, a valid contract. A judge who says, go get a license. I don't want a license. Well, you better get one or I'm going to. Okay. That's what the cop did to this guy, uh, 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 you know, the, this Uber guy. If you don't, I'm going to. There's no sanction imposed by the, the legislature um, that, that, a, that a judge can, can impose on you to go get a license and bring it back and show them because he'd be saying that you have to contract for a privilege and, sorry, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. The answers are right in front of us. And we're just not seeing them for what they are. It primarily has to do with uh, being afraid and being lazy. And, uh, oh, it's too much trouble, man. You know, why the, hell, why the hell read a court case when you can watch TV, watch a movie? You know? Well, I watch movies, and I don't have a TV, but I do watch movies and I watch other, you know, and I watch videos and stuff like that. But what I do when I, I watch movies, especially now, I'm looking for how people argue. Because dramas and, and situation comedies, <laughs> situation comedies are arguments. And they're grievances. And people resolving grievances and stuff like that. That's what they're doing. They're resolving grievances. You're watching people resolve grievances. What I don't like about these shows with the little kids is these adults are, are stuffing adult words and concepts in the little kids' mouths who have no, I, no frame of reference for this smart-ass shit they're saying. 
that everybody finds so amusing. Oh, they're so cute. You hear what he said? That little kid doesn't even know enough to say something like that. That's something a cynical uh, adult would say, but not, not a child because they just don't have that life experience yet. But we, we, we laugh because, oh, look at their darling, you know, and you don't expect to hear that coming out of a kid. Just like you don't expect to hear um, not guilty coming out of a judge's mouth. But in any event, I watch movies and I, I look for legal principles. Um, for you folks who are fans of John Grisham, I, I watch his movies because there's a lot of good law stuff in there. The Firm, I don't know if he did that, but uh, Rainmaker with Matt Damon and uh, Mickey Rourke and Danny DeVito. It's uh, Ralph Scheider is also in it, um, and uh, it, it's a it's a it's a great movie. Uh, John Voight is also in it. Plays one nasty attorney. Um, it's a great movie about What's insurance fraud. The, the Rainmaker. The Rainmaker. Okay. The Rainmaker, yeah. It's, it's a great movie about an in, in, in insur- insurance fraud. And uh, another one is The Firm. Tom Cruise was in that. Played an attorney for a small Tennessee law firm that handled a, uh, a mob. Yeah, I saw that when it first came out. I have to watch it again. It was so long ago. But that, yeah, that is a Grisham, I think, uh, story. Book. The firm. Well, what do you think, Rich? We've killed two and a half hours like nothing. <laughs> Hello? Rich? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Where'd he go? Yo, Rich. I don't see him anywhere. He disappeared. Oh, my goodness. Well, I wonder if he'll come back on. Hmm. Good grief. Ah. Uh, Hmm. Let me see. I wonder if I could uh, see if I could add him to the call. Let me go. Let's see here.
Well, I don't know what happened to Rich. I got disconnected also. Rich, if you're back on the call, press star 8, and I'll unmute you, and I guess we can close it out. Hmm. Let me see if I could bring him in on the call. I don't see him here. Conversation. Add people. I hope it doesn't disconnect me again, because that's what happened. Let's see here. There, Rich. Add to call. Let's see if that works. Uh, my phone is charged. Oh, is, should I call you on something else? Excuse me. I got you on Skype. Are you are you on a different phone now, or? No, I'm on the same one. I just uh, I just plugged it in, and oh. apparently it's charged sufficiently enough. So sorry oh. about that. Oh, it's okay. I was talking. I wondered what happened. <laughs> you just sort of disappeared from the call. Ele- anyway. Ele- electricity. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I don't, I don't know what I was saying, but basically it all turns, everything turns on rules. You know, there's rules that apply to everybody. Um, and in order for us to be effective and, and do something, um, you know, to to reduce uh, the number of uh, police incidents where they falsely accuse people and falsely arrest people. It, that's why I'm doing this. I don't want it to happen to me, and I sure don't want it to happen to other people. Um, th- this is this is called uh, <laughs> unethical business practices, and the police are getting ill-gotten gains. And um, interestingly enough, yesterday, um, I found a, an interesting opinion by um, the silent one on the federal bench, Thomas. Um, I don't know if people know who this guy is, but he, he never asked any questions during a, a case. But he wrote a six-page opinion on uh, the 6th in a case of Leonard versus Texas on a petition for writ of certiorari to the Court of Appeals of Texas. And the issue is addressing uh, civil asset forfeiture. And so the the mute... (laughs) But the the originalist mute, because I don't know if people are aware of this, but Thomas and Scalia were considered the two originalists on the bench on the federal Supreme Court, originalist being a constitutionalist. So you have the constitutionalists, and then they call themselves originalists. They, they believe that the Constitution is a fixed point, not a flexible um, document. The principles are what they are. Anyway, um, uh, he, he, he writes that early in the morning on April 1st, 2000, 
13, a police officer stopped James Leonard for a traffic infraction. Well, there's a case right there. Traffic infraction in Texas. A traffic infraction in Texas, <laughs> um, well, it, it, it's uh, the same thing as it is in California. It's non-criminal. That's it. So uh, the, the bottom line is they had um, uh, $200,000 taken from them. And um, all I'm going to do is read the last paragraph that Justice writes because it's very telling. Unfortunately, petitioner raises her due process arguments for the first time in this court. As a result, the Texas Court of Appeals lacked the opportunity to address them in the first instance. I therefore concur in the denial of certiorari. Whether this court's treatment of the broad modern forfeiture practice can be justified by the narrow historical one is certainly worthy of consideration in greater detail. Now, I don't know what you folks heard, but I, this is what I heard. Uh, you know, she, uh, she screwed up. She didn't follow the rules, so uh, we can't tell you what we could tell you. So check back with us when you follow the rules, and then we'll tell you. That's what I'm taking away from this. This woman, unfortunately, skipped a step, didn't follow a rule, and got spanked. And as a result, Scalia, or not Scalia, that's funny, because he was the uh, other originalist, but Thomas didn't go into the detail he could have gone into. But this is a really cool opinion. And um, let's see... uh, you folks can get this if you want. You know, send me. A, I'll, I'll go ahead and send you my markup if you want. Um, when I get a court case or something, I typically go through it and I underline and highlight. So, if anybody would like um, a copy of this um, Thomas opinion in this case about civil asset forfeiture, uh, send me an email, and I will also send you a compilation that I put together after I read this thing of some of the court cases that Thomas referred to. And um, that's about 217 pages worth of stuff, but it's very important. At least I think so. Very valuable if you're interested in armed robbery by um, government employees. But um, I want to repeat this final sentence, whether this court's treatment of the broad, modern forfeiture practice can be justified by the narrow historical one is certainly worthy of consideration in greater detail. So when you folks, those you folks who are interested in this, when you look at the cases, a few of the cases that Thomas referred to, you're going to find out what the forfeitures were in relation to. <laughs> and they have most definitely broadened the narrowness to which it was, for, which asset forfeiture was um, historically applicable to. 
it was a, a, a historically applicable to piracy. That's it. You know, uh, um, admiralty jurisdiction, not the dirt jurisdiction. So it's it, it's fascinating to see how it used to be applicable to this and this, and now it's applicable to anybody who gets pulled over. It's uh, armed robbery by any other name. That's what it is. And they use martial law procedure to um, remedy how you, how you get back what was taken from you. The claim is, and, and this is how retarded the, 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 uh, the belief is about asset forfeiture. It's, it's this retarded. You have to um, exonerate the, 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 the stuff. So let's say they took a pair of your shoes. You're, you, have to, you have to defend your shoes. You ha- it's presumed your shoes are guilty, and, and so it's martial law. You have to prove why your shoes are not guilty. Or in the case of what the cops have taken, money, jewelry, whatever else. They're taking it. They're just taking it. And they get to keep it and use it. And, and somehow this, the, the, uh, people don't mind. They go along with it. And it's too much trouble, um, you know, for them to um, ensure that when people stop by their state, visit their state, going through their state, that they're not harassed by their local constabulary and have, have their stuff stolen. Civil asset forfeiture is grand theft. That's all it is, period. Domestic violence, you hear this domestic abuse bullshit. That's what it is. It's bullshit. It's just assault and battery. Illegal immigrants, illegal aliens. Uh, no, trespassers, plain and simple. Anybody on, on, on TV who's talking about illegal aliens and this and that, they're talking about trespassers, plain and simple. And people would know this if they would read court cases because court cases are really wonderful. They, they, they tell you who won and how and what the rules are, and they tell you why the loser lost and why. Thomas did a good job. He told everybody why this, why this woman lost. Unfortunately, petitioner raises her due process arguments for the first time in this court. Can't do it. She didn't give the Texas courts their opportunity to square this away before she brought it over to the feds. In other words, it was premature. Or another term you might hear in court, because they they use a lot of words related to uh, uh, gardening, trees, plants, trees, poisons, trees, stuff like that, you will hear that, oh, her case wasn't ripe for the federal side of the fence. So she didn't take her case, you know, up, you know, she didn't follow the rules, and that's why they denied the, what she asked for. But it, it, it's, it's a really, um, Thomas's. 
six-page uh, opinions really, really good, and that that stimulated me to go get get a few of the cases that uh, he referred to in this thing. And so I compiled that and I put it together in a little thing. So if you folks are interested, um, feel free to drop me a line, uh, email at proper or proper p r o p e r at the lawsalon.net. Uh, pro, proper, it's all lowercase. Proper at the lawsalon.net. And um, I'll send you this thing over my uh, what I, what I put together, and you take a look at it because again, this is this is this is armed robbery. It's highway robbery. It's trespassing. It's assault with a deadly weapon. You know, you'll see. Just and and this is business as usual. These guys are out of control, man. Anyway, um, Angela, is there? I, I mean, I can talk about this stuff for a long time if if someone has a question or a comment or something i'm i'm uh um doesn't look like to... it not at the moment okay right, no, cool. we're just all here listening to you and taking notes so but uh I, I, we've I, I don't, two hours I, in 48 minutes we're almost to the three hour mark so all right let me uh let me con- three hours yeah let me let me let me well let me just start winding it down um it, it, the bottom line is this the, the the majority of people's complaints all have to do with the same thing. They don't have control. And you hear the word control used a lot. Watch commercials and call your internet service provider, whatever. You're gonna you're gonna hear the word control a lot. We you we put you in control. So you don't. Nobody's putting me in control of anything. I put myself in control. I have control or I don't. It's really simple. Anyway, um that's what people complain about. I just don't have enough control, man. If I had control, I know I'd, I'd have, my life would be better. Well, sure. Why is it not better? Well, because I'm out of control. Okay. What do you need to What do you need to be in control? Well, I don't know. Okay. It's typically information. Everybody wants information. That's why everybody's sitting on this call. They want information. They think that there's a a, a magic bullet or or something is, is going to show up. Well. There's a lot to show up. I, I hopefully I've said a lot for people to, um, you know, look over here, over there, uh, to confirm or deny. Um, I'm not making this stuff up. I found what I found. I've read this stuff. I think about it, and that's what I do. And <laughs> people want to argue with me. Uh, that's fine. But it's not going to go very well because there's nothing to argue about. I don't, I'm not required to pay sales tax. I'm not required to pay the CRV. I'm not required to buy a bag. The store's not required to sell bags. Even though they're participating, they're still not required to sell bags. Um, folks, the good news is that law applies in our daily life. It applies at the dinner table, watching watching the tube. Um, it's, it's everywhere. You go out to the store. Law is happening. And, and the, I guess the difference between me and a lot of people is I use it all the time. It's stupid not to. It's cost-effective to engage and to be proactive. That's how I've, that's how I've gotten uh, ink cartridges without paying sales tax. That's how I got a computer without paying sales tax. That's how I got a mountain bike without paying sales tax. Um, I bought a lot of cases of water without paying the CRV. I've actually found managers who actually comply with the law. 
And yes, there are the majority who don't. They simply have a hard time accepting this stuff, even when it's in black and white. There's a reason for that. I'll ask this question. What is your source of reliable information? Think about it. Everybody think about it. What is your source for reliable, accurate information? I don't get information from um, Sean Hannity or Bill O'Reilly or these people, you know, people on MSNBC, CBS. These people have an agenda that's different than mine. They're selling the, 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 the stuff between the segments. That's all they are. They, they, they're, they're like Bob Barker. <laughs> Bob Barker was a hawker. That, and what he do? He barked. And that's what these people do. They keep you in, amused, entertained, whatever, until the commercials show up. That's their job. Straight ahead. We'll be right, right around the corner. We're going to hear these retarded things they say. They're managing time, trying to get as much of their, their BS shoved into their, their four or five minutes before four, four or five minutes of commercial. And then, hey, watch the stuff on pharmaceuticals. People are at, you, you want to see, you want to see who's, who's driving the bus. Look at who's, who's, Look at the commercials. That's who's driving the bus. Oh, they're terrible. I hate those commercials. The, the pharmaceutical <laughs> commercials, my God. You have smiley people who, who roll in the dice, but and the nice side effects music, aren't. And nice, pleasant music playing in the background. All the while. And they're all. Yeah. yeah go ahead. I know. It, it, it's great. Hey, the risks outweigh the benefit. <laughs> I'm smiling and the music is nice. I'm out, Look, I'm outside. Hi. I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die when it's sunny, you know. It may I mean, make I mean, me what a way to commit suicide, but you know, hey, I'll die happy. Is it? Is it I mean, you would know, think people, you would think people would catch on. Hey, these antidepressants are driving people to kill themselves. We got a problem here, you know. They I, would, I mean, they were advertising a diet pill that would make you suicidal thoughts that or actions. May cause suicidal yeah. thoughts or actions. Oh, gee, well, we won't worry about that. That won't happen no. to me. Yeah. I know. It's like everybody everybody thinks they're they're special and stuff. I, I, I you know, um unfortunately I've I've spent a lot of time in hospitals, um, you know, with family and, and friends and stuff. And um it's really amazing. You know, looking at the folks in hospitals, because there's a certain number of those people who are there. You know that the only reason they're there is because they figure that if they're in there, that kind of stuff won't happen to them. <laughs> that's that's pretty much what they're thinking. You, you know, know there, there's we, a have, certain, we yeah. have a hand up from someone in Hawaii, if you want to take a question. Yeah. All right. Okay, Hawaii, you're unmuted. Hi, yeah, hi. Um, yeah, I, um, I'm in a little bit of a legal wrangle um, with um, with the divorce case, and my ex-wife has decided to take the uh, take the children, and and the state's kind of standing behind her. But you know, I. Um, I kind of allowed it through the divorce case. I signed all the divorce papers, but now looking hindsight, um, it just seems like uh, that she's not willing to uh, 
you know, participate because the, the language was that visitation would be as agreed, and of course, agreed has to have two parties, and so she's not agreeing. But uh, originally, I guess she explained to me that she knew the judge, and I, I didn't really think a whole lot of it at the time, and I mentioned it to my attorney. I'm just wondering if I, if you thought there might be any point to try and go back and unravel the case because of the, um, you know, the the judge and my ex-wife being associated prior to the case. Well, that's a that's a good question. Um, what evidence do you have other than what she may have said that you may be recalling accurately to establish a relationship between the two? Because first, where you're going with this is um, you think there's some something nefarious, right? Like they ganged yeah. up or something, or okay, yeah. Well, that's a that. Uh, well then, okay. So now keep in mind that as the accuser, you bear the burden of proof. Yeah. So here was my so idea you, with that, but, and that was the second part to the question was okay. You know, may, maybe so, but so my understanding is is that uh, what my plan was to try to create an affidavit of admission, basically admission of guilt by non-response. So I was going to maybe send the note to the ex-wife, you know, stating this, that, you know, that, you know, that she knew the judge. And then if she didn't uh, respond, is that something that would hold any weight in a court case? I've heard it has, I've heard it has. So that's, that's the main part of my question. Okay. Well, it's a good question. And in fact, you've already, told yourself where to look for information. Okay. You see, what, what, see, the question that you asked me tells me that this is information that you don't have. So where, where are you going to begin looking for the information you don't have? Now, well, I presume you're asking... Go ahead. No, I, I, I don't have... But other than her admission, I have no way that I don't know where to begin. Um, yes, you do. Wait, wait. Let, me tell, let, let me tell you where to begin. First of all, you have your ideas. So what I would suggest you do is, is jot down some notes about what you think occurred. Okay? okay. And, and then, now, you're, you're asking me, like, Okay, I, I, I think they colluded, and I think they conspired. That's what I'm hearing. That's right. So, okay. So, I've also heard from you that you have an agreement with her. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, through the divorce case, uh-huh. Okay. So, um, I'm hearing, okay, now which box do I want to pick up and carry? The one with both of them in it, or just the one with her in it? Yeah, well, I suppose either one would work. Probably just well, wait work. a second. Which one? What, 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 okay. All right. Let, let's take it a step further. Now, in the box with her in it, you've also got a wildcat. Okay? Now, which one do you want to pick up? <laughs> Not that one. Because okay. you, 
you, you may know how to control her, but you don't know how to control the robe. Okay. Now you've got right. you've got a piece of paper. You've got a piece of paper with terms and conditions on it, with between you and your ex, right? Yes. Very good. So what I'm hearing is she is uh, not adhering to the terms and conditions she agreed to. Is, is well, that what I heard? Well, I mean, technically, uh, I would think she is because it just says uh, visitation will be agreed to between the parties. So, so Very good. So, so okay. here, well, uh, just slow down. Now, slow down. Yep. Now, it will be agreed to by the parties. Have, prior to signing this agreement, did you two have a, a chat about when you'd get to be with the kids? No, no. That's not good. Did you, did you have a chat about um, holiday visitation or, or that, anything like that before you signed this agreement? No, did not. That's that's not good. So it it seems to me that you, you um, for whatever reason, you put yourself in a one-down position because you've got an agreement with someone with vague terms and conditions. Yeah, I would agree. So, so, so from where I sit, um, I think the judge is, is not as much an issue, a problem for you as you, because it was you who decided to sign this vague and ambiguous agreement with someone who doesn't like you and is holding your kids hostage. That's not cool. Right. Because you're in a, because, because here's the way it works. There's no more slavery, but when you have a contract and the other party, um, fails to comply with what they agreed to, guess what you get to do? You get to prevail upon one, uh, you know, some of your employees and your government to make her. Yes, right. But seeing how the contract was so vague, um, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe, Maybe that's my case, is that the contract was too vague and that, um, you know, so. Yeah, so now, now you're becoming a little more rational about this. You're, you're eliminating that emotional stuff and you're thinking about, hmm, maybe the judge wasn't the problem after all. Could have been. Now, I, I can tell you about a horrific uh, divorce uh, case I'm aware of, a, a buddy experienced up in Minnesota. Um, but. Um, bottom line is you, you're the one who made the decision. And so if, if it's not your best interest, then you're going to have to make a determination about how to go about getting this thing reconfigured so it's more uh, equitable for both of you. Because it appears to me right now she can say no, no. She's never going to call you. Oh, you want the kids this weekend? Never, you know, if there's if there's no condition in the in, in the in, in the agreement for drop off and pick up, it, at either at your place or her place or at a neutral place, yeah, you got some you got some serious problems. 
got nothing to enforce. You have an, what, what, what is it you signed? An agreement? Was it a court agreement? What was it? Yeah, it was a divorce decree. Mm-hmm. Well, who wrote it? Um, I imagine the judge or the lawyer. Okay, so the bottom line is you don't know a lot, and you need to find out more. So the mm-hmm. questions I'm asking are, are are important to me. And if I was in your position, I would think they would be in, important to you. Who the hell signed this paper or who put this paper together? Who said you have to sign it? Yeah, 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 I mean, it, it's just crazy because that's not how contracts work. But in any event, um, to answer your, you know, the other questions, I can't answer it because I don't know you. I don't know anything about your your life and and what's important to you. So, you know, from where I'm sitting, I would simply urge you to take a look at the rules that apply to everybody and um, make a determination if they were in compliance and take a close look at the words used in what you signed and find out who who put it together and. Um, I, I think what you're doing with me is a good thing. You're doing what I call what, what people would call due diligence. So it might be worthwhile to lob a, lob a, some phone calls to some attorneys just for kicks and giggles and see if you can uh, get some free information over the phone. Now I've, I've been pretty successful at that over the over, over the years I've been doing law work. When I first started, I would just call attorneys' offices. Um, out of the phone book, I'd go through the yellow pages, and I'd tell them, "Hi, I'm uh, I'm, I study law. I'm working on a little little paper here. Just had a quick question for the attorney. I was wondering if one might be available. You know, just for a quick minute. And uh, it, it got me in a, a lot of times. Uh, and and it, it, even if I didn't talk to an attorney, I, I got a lot of valuable information from whoever answered the phone. So um, I see. <laughs> Yeah, you have uh, you have some work to do, but uh, I I think you from what it sounds to me, your primary concern is is hey, my kids too. Uh, right, I'm going to see right. my kids, and when's that going to happen? So that's all I'm interested in is when's that going to happen? What do I need to do? What do you need to do? What do we need to do? When's that going to happen? Because I want to take them to you know to um um. I want to take them to get some strawberry papayas, okay? <laughs> right, right, right. Because right. we, know, we know what strawberry papayas are, and kids like them a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we're going to go do some of that and go going to go kick back and, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, so when's the strawberry papayas going to get here? <laughs> Send them to Angela. <laughs> Hey Angela, you know what strawberry papayas are? Um, probably a papaya that's red. Oh yeah, right. The flavor. I haven't had one. Ooh. Oh boy, you got yeah, it. those are my favorite. That's okay. my favorite food. You see, you nailed it. So, well, hey, that, that, um, that, you know, that's if you're gonna, yeah. Well, you know, I hey, um, anyway. Yeah. I've been told I can go back into the divorce court and challenge the whole thing and. And I'm tempted to do that a little bit. Um, it's not a dire situation, but 
it just doesn't feel very good, and it's not a good example for the children. But, um, you know, my other strategy uh, was to maybe, um, you know, uh, taking some other advice was basically to put uh, put the public on notice that 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 uh, that there was a trust created between, you know, uh, my ex and I, and that anybody who comes to, you know, come in between the trust would be liable. And so the trust, of course, would include, you know, my children and just basically let them know that I'm trying to move the situation to the private side or I am moving it, you know, out of the public into the private side. Yeah. Um, you're going to have, uh, you're going to have your hands full because I'm familiar with the public and private and, um, so the, the, this guy—I I don't know if you heard the call—you uh, know—the call earlier. But I, I was working with this guy on a in a case in in um, San Diego, and he was—he he had a—you know—he should have got a continuance based on the discovery issue. It was it was a slam dunk discovery issue, and here's and here's what the here's what the judge said to him. He goes well. Uh, based on judicial economy, and yeah. then, no, we're going we're going to trial based on judicial economy. Well, when I yeah, heard yeah. that, I'm going, give me a break. Yeah, all this guy did. See, the guy did a good job laying out his um, the reason for the continuance. So it, it, he just read from a court case, and the court case couldn't be any clearer. It was clear the DA had to, had to do. And they didn't do it. He, and 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 the judge and, and the I know that the judge was sitting there, calculating how the hell am I going to get out of this? Well, he landed on judicial economy. Yeah, well, that yeah. that's good for the now, now that's good for the defendant for the following reason. Uh, excuse me, Your Honor. Let me see if I understand what I thought I just heard you say. Um. My right to due process of law is less important than judicial economy. Is that correct? Yeah, right, hmm. right. Yeah. <clears throat> Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, the guy was, you know, the guy was, you know, the guy was a rookie, but um, I heard something I'd never heard before in the 20 years I've been doing, 25 years I've been doing this stuff. I've heard a lot of retarded things judges say. But this is just another, oh, good. Well, there's that. Great. Okay. Well, we can deal with that one. But, you know, like if I could, get well, her, yeah, and you know, if I could, you know, I, I don't, my question is, is, it, is, you know, if is an affidavit of admission by non response, is that something that would hold up in, in, a, in a court case? Well, where 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 did you get affidavit of non response? Where'd that come well, from? Well well so like if I if I were to send her a note and say, you know No, 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 no. answer the question. Where did you get the idea for this affidavit? Where did it come from? I don't know. I've been listening to a lot of law, of course, and so that I think Thank that, you, thank you, thank thank you for being honest. You don't know, okay? You don't know. So before you run with this football, you might want to find out if there's such a piece of paper that they'll acknowledge in a courtroom. Does that make some kind of sense? 
Yeah, and that's why that's partly why I'm okay. asking. Okay. Yeah. So the so if you've never heard of the paper before, um, that should be a tip off to you. Now there's another there's another way to say what you're talking about. It, uh-huh. It's called tac. It's called tacit. T a c i t tacit procuration. Tacit procuration. Okay. And what that what that means is, uh, I've provided you with an opportunity to respond. You've chosen not to respond. You've chosen not to not to. Uh, send any notice that you weren't going to respond, so I'm going to respond on your behalf. Uh-huh. Okay. And so, so if I were if I if if I were me, I would look into tacit procuration. Curation. And anybody who studied anybody who studied traffic law over the last twenty, twenty five years knows about that guy's tacit procreation that he did. Because he did a really good job with tacit procuration, said a whole bunch of letters. I think it was to the Missouri DMV, and they eventually quit. Took them a long time, but they eventually quit. But um, yeah, so it's so what you're doing is that you're you're using um, um, uh, the there, there's a term called latches, L-A-C-H-E-S. That means um, ass dragging. You know, dilatory conduct, that means dragging your feet, you know, being slow, latches. And then uh, you, you have to act within a, ter- a certain time frame. The, the other thing is silence by, by acquiescence. So you're given, you get, you're, 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 Someone, you're giving someone an opportunity to fix a problem, and and or uh, an error, and they're and they're not doing it. Right. So if if they if they don't deny something that they that you send to them after after you after you let them know that you have a certain amount of time to respond, otherwise you create an estoppel. You can't go forward with this stuff. You can't say something contrary because you because of latches and acquiescence by silence you chose not to respond therefore we can presume that you didn't have any objection and that would be enough grounds maybe for causation to start you know my own suit or whatnot well what would your suit be for avoid judgment Boy, judgment. No, no, no. You want you you want custody. You want to have visitation rights to your kids, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, this is important to remember when it comes to civil actions. You have to know what your interests are. Okay. You have to know what your interests are. Otherwise, you're not going to get anywhere. You know what 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 interest of yours was affected? in this situation what aren't you enjoying right now as a result of what your ex is doing yeah i'm not right to my property happiness, happiness so okay so 
All right. So that's where I would start because that's the basis of civil cases. Successful civil cases are based on the defendant knowing what interests have been adversely affected by the conduct of someone else. Okay. So, so the clearer the clearer you are about your rights, the more effective and efficient you're going to be with your case. So identify what rights have been denied to you or been prejudiced based on the conduct of of your significant, your former significant other. Mm -hmm. See, this is what what people who go to traffic court, they never take into consideration. Why am I going? Well, I want to be the ticket. Sorry, you're going to lose. Well, I don't want to pay. Sorry, you're going to lose. You're going to lose in the majority of instances because you're not you're going to invest in the wrong thing. You're not going to have the the the, the requisite passion. You won't put on a vigorous defense. Hey, I know what I'm going into that courtroom, and I know what it is I'm after. I want them to acknowledge and respect my rights, my right of privacy, my right to come and go as I please my right to interact with who the hell I want to interact with and who I don't want to interact with, like police. They want to, if they want to talk about bicycles or guitars, no problem. They want to pull me over and, and, and start accusing me of, um, you know, like, where are you going? Where, you know, where, where are you going? None of your well, what are you doing? Where are you? None of your damn business, man. So I know what I'm going there to protect and defend. I'm my own first line of, of defense. So if somebody wants to accuse me of driving without a license or not having plates on my car or not registering my car or not having insurance, oh, well, great. All I got to do is prove I'm required to do it, and I'll, I'll man up. I don't wake up in the morning, you know, conjuring up how I can be irresponsible. That's not right, what I'm right. about. I, I think it's a pretty smart, smart idea to adhere to civil code, California Civil Code, Section 1708. Just comply with that. It's very cool. California Civil Code, Section 1708. Oh, and take a look at 1709 and 1710, 1711, 12, 13, and 14. Okay, in in law terms, in secular terms. Okay, it's it's just that simple. Without a contract, I have a duty, I have an obligation not to hurt you, not to damage your property, to honor my agreements with you, right, and to respect your secured rights. As long as I do that, have a nice life. Okay, that's that's my duty to you and everybody else on this on this call. 1708 of the California Civil Code to do unto others uh, section. All right? Hey, I really appreciate um, your time. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, and I hope things work out for you. All right. I appreciate you uh, uh, sharing your your knowledge with us and taking our call. Yeah, and and by the way, if you're interested, uh, drop me, uh, you know, and send me a note at ProPer at thelawsalon.net. And, um, um, you know, head over, head over to the site and look at the research page. So if you go to the lawsalon.net, 
forward slash research.html, research.html. You'll see some of my um, my essays and other publications I have available. And uh, for those people who contact me tonight, if they're interested in, in Thomas's uh, opinion on this asset forfeiture case and the, the, the asset forfeiture package I put together, just send me a... Um, uh, send me an email, and I'll, I'll I'll send over a list of additional publications, essays, and other things that I've been working on. But um, uh, I haven't uh, really worked on very much because my whole uh, program went belly up on um, December 20th, and I'm cl- climbing out of a really uh, deep uh, trench here. So um, yeah, anybody you know, I, I live on a live and work on a donation basis. So anybody who, who can, uh, you know, drop a, a couple of quarters or bucks in the mason jar, that, that'd be really, I'd really appreciate that as well. But please feel free to send me an email and I'll send you a list of stuff, some stuff I have available. And um, uh, yeah, Is there again, a place uh, on your website that says where people can send donations to? No, it's all. Uh, no, I, I, I don't use any electronic, um, uh, like PayPal or anything. I, I just have an address. If, if folks are interested in, in donating, then I'll provide them with an address, okay. and um, you know, a list of other other things that I have available. But on the research page, uh, people will be able to um, see some of the publications I have. I have a number of other ones I haven't yet. Uh, um, uploaded there and I also make a flash drive available an eight gig flash drive and I, there's about um, five five and a half five five or six and a half gigs of law information on their law dictionaries court uh, court case compilations on warrants all kinds of stuff there's a list you can download and uh, check it out if uh, if you'd like and you'll find out what's on the flash drive if you're interested in one of those. Or if you have an interest, I have a, my law folder consists of over 325 gigs of information. So I'm pretty confident I have information on just about everything. But uh, with the exception of family law, <laughs> that's a minefield, folks. Stay out of it. But um, in any event, it's too late for some people. Um, but uh, yeah, if you have an interest in a particular topic or uh, court cases on this or that subject, um, I, I do research. That's what I do and educate. If folks are interested in um, uh, lessons or uh, dialogue work, uh, no problem. Um, uh, I do a lot of do a lot of legal writing and that as well. So. Yeah, check out the, the Lost Line uh, Salon, and I hope you get a kick out of it, folks, because law doesn't have to be so <clears throat> doesn't have to be so stuffy and dry, and you you can only do law if you wear a suit and you have tassel loafers. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. I wear t-shirts and jeans, man, and tennis shoes. If that doesn't work, and I have long hair, and I listen to rock and roll. Oops, and yeah, and I don't care. I used to, I used to dress nicely. I used to wear button-up shirts, but I don't anymore because it has nothing to do with attire. 
unless someone stole your tire. And then you got to, anyway, you see where I'm going with this. Anyway, Angela, thank you so much for having me on the show again. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, everybody enjoys listening to you. We just listen and take notes. It's so informational, you know. It's wonderful. Well, I hope hope people take notes because uh, there's so much to remember. Yeah. And um and and I I um I never really know what I'm going to say when I'm going to do w- one of these things and uh it just kind of starts coming out and then it always works the out. The train left the, the train left the station. I'm hanging on. That's all there is to it. I'm a, I don't, I don't know I don't know what's going on anymore, but all the stuff comes out and I hope I said something people can use because that's what I learned. Uh, from the people that I, I that that um, you know, who taught me, um, I I I I got tools right then and there. I got to use them the next day. Did I do the job well the next day? No, but I learned. Yeah. But the fact of the matter was, I didn't have to go to law school for four years. I didn't have to pass the bar, and I've had some really interesting successes. And, and and if I can do it, other people can do it, too. So I just want to encourage everybody, and I hope you get over the lost one. Take a look at what's there. I hope you get a kick out of it. You laugh a little bit because I hope there's some funny stuff there because I was laughing when I put some of that shit together because it's funny. It's just funny how retarded these people are, and we need to mock them. What is so that? Anyway, what is they, go uh, to Gaza? What is that about? Well, that what that is is like I'm homeless, okay? And people in Palestine are 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 having their homes ripped out from under them by by the lunatic, you know, Israelis. They're stealing they're stealing Palestinian land, and and so and so those those people are are people who are advocating that hey everybody ha- you know is entitled to a place to live. You know, it's really simple. I mean, I, I'm I'm not. I think that there's so many people who are killing each other and stealing in the name of God. It's pathetic. I mean, between, between the, uh, the Jews, the Christians and the Muslims, I mean, give me a break. I, I mean, this is, there's a group of people in India. They're called Jains, J-A-I-N-E. They don't kill anything. They wear, they wear masks so they don't inhale bugs. That's how deadly serious they are about thou shalt not kill. But it seems like the big three, you know, crews, they can't keep, they seem to keep from killing each other. And so um, all, all you got over there with the Palestinians is a bully situation. And that's what's happening in this country. So I'll conclude with this. We're being spied on by our employees. It's all out in the open. Now, now what are you guys going to do about it? Trump's an idiot. All of them are idiots. They're all idiots. They're all gaming the same company. They have nothing to do with me. They're just causing problems for me. Their conduct is adverse to my interests. I'm not a party guy. I have no party affiliation. All I care about is who's lying and how are they doing it. And both both teams, uh, you know, Tea Party. I mean, give me a break. Who's who's doing anything? The 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 the. the it is a politician's job. It's the president's job to create jobs. Yes or no? No. Yeah. No. Their, their job is no. No. People don't no, even no, know. No, no, you're what, right. I'm the, sorry. You're right. Their job is to keep us safe, and that's it. 
That's it. It, it, it. Create jobs. There's plenty of jobs. Hey, folks, you need a job? It's really simple. Pick up the trash. That's all you got to do. And then if you don't, when you get done picking up the trash, shift to educating and educate the people who eat at fast food restaurants what a trash can is. Because I don't want to see that, that, that stuff out on the street. I know what a trash can is. How come people who eat at fast food restaurants don't? I, don't? I don't get this stuff. So anyway, there's plenty of jobs. That's not the deal. And whenever you hear a politician saying, well, we need to create jobs, we need to create jobs, I have been unemployed more in my life than I've ever been employed. And I'm here to tell you that every day I was unemployed, I still worked at something. Every single day of my life. I've never had welfare. I've never had a workers' comp or anything. But, I, but I've been unemployed more than I've been employed. And I've, I've managed to exist without the, the, the help of politicians. They haven't done anything for me. Nothing. I can't think of one thing a politician has done for me. I can't think of one politician who's put a meal on my table, put any fuel in my tank. I know full well that, that, that a barrel of oil should be selling right now at about, oh, $6 a barrel. Maybe someone can explain why there's a gut, why there's oil tankers parked all over the planet with, filled with oil, why you're paying over $2 for a gallon of gas. Come on, folks. That's <laughs> not how it works. We're all, being, we're all being lied to and ripped off. And now the cat's out of the bag. The, the three-letter agencies have been spying. This, this call's being monitored. Hell, I was doing politics in 1987, 1988. And back then, we heard the term vacuum cleaner operation. That, that was back in those days. Like, the, 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 we, we were aware reports were out that like 450,000 phone calls were monitored could be monitored. This was before cell phones. This was still landline time, right? So they were, they were monitor, monitoring calls back then. Why would they stop? Sure. Sure, they're doing this kind of stuff. You people don't care. You people are living the American dream. You're living your lives. They know you're not a threat. My God, if you folks watch these, these hearings at the House over, oh, watch the one from today. Chapin is just grilling the hell out of the head of, of the TSA. It's beautiful. What is that over on C-SPAN? Uh, no, I, I, go, uh, I, go right to, I go right to the House uh, Government and Oversight Committee's website. They have a oh, calendar okay. page. Okay. And then on, on the calendar, they, they show you, like, when the hearings are going to be. Uh-huh. You can watch them live or you can go back and, and watch them. And I would encourage people to, to, to do this. And if you want to see who's interested in, in, in the law and who's interested in protecting their friends, watch the Benghazi hearings. Watch the IRS hearings. Watch the Fast and Furious hearings. Watch the post office hearings the hearings about the post office, watch the hearings about the TSA, watch the hearings about the hacking. Oh my God. Um, the hacking, um, watch the hearings on the, on the FOIA request. 
Yeah, watch the hearings on, on these, and you'll find out which crew's interested in the law and, and who's doing their job and who's protecting whom. Very good, Rich. The, the thank con- you so much. That thank you. Wonderful. Thank you, Angela. Thank <laughs> you so much. Thank you, everybody, for making the time, and I apologize for being so pedantic. <laughs> oh, no, we love it. It's wonderful. I'll good work thing. on it. Anyway, <laughs> thanks a lot. Have a better rest of the evening. Thank you. You too. Have a great weekend. Everybody have a great weekend and we'll see you all next time. Uh, Let's see. Who do we have coming next week? We have, oh, Paul Andrew Mitchell will be on to update us on what he's got going on. And uh, we're supposed to have uh, Vic Beck, but he called and uh, put off his date. I guess he's got busy or something like that. But next week we have... uh, Paul Andrew Mitchell. And also, I wanted to say one thing. Vital, did you want to say something? Uh, Vincent Edward, if you guys know who that is on Skype. Vincent Edward, he's got, uh, well, let me tell you, he's he's uh, making a plea for his $800 in bail that he needs. And he wanted to, uh, let's see, he's authorized... Vital to collect the funds for him in his PayPal. So he wanted me to let you guys know. Uh, and he said he'd appreciate it. And, uh, for your information, trying to get out before they ship me to the funny farm for mental evaluation. Oh boy, that that's going to be fun, right? So if anybody wants to help out Vince Edward, contact Vital. Vital, is there a way for people to get a hold of you? Did you want to say something or what? Where'd he go? Vital, press star. Oh, you're not on the call? Hold on a second. Uh, Oh, well, I guess you guys, if you know how to get a hold of Vital, get a hold of him and contribute to uh, Vincent Edwards' $800 bail. Okay? All right, I did my... all right everybody have a great weekend and we'll see you next time